Alright, so. Uh. <laughs> Stop eating the fucking chips that I'm trying to record! No! I don't feel like the black pepper necessarily comes through that strong. But these are surely marketed to white people. Oh, yeah. Because they're a product that's being marketed. <laughs> oh. Bazinga! Take that, society! <laughs> Searing commentary! <laughs> I'm the Joker, baby! <laughs> <laughs> So before we start, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording and pay respect to the elders past and present of the Yagara and Tarabal people. Sovereignty was never ceded. And this is Online Mole Patrol, ready for a stroll down memory lane. I'm Hacklock, a visual artist and chronically online older millennial. And I'm Brian Buds, more abject than law school could handle. I love that abject is your favourite word at the oh, moment. I love abject. Abject, <laughs> okay. Um, have I ever told you why I like the word abject? No. This could be totally made up, right? Um, so I quite like Lee Bowery, the drag artist who is no longer with us. Yes, right? incredible. And incredible artist. Um, but Lee Bowery was the muse of uh, painter Lucian Freud and um, like some amazing yeah, oil portraits of Lee Bowery out of drag nude and lee bowery is like like a fridge of a man yes and um so lucian freud did these uh portraits of of lee bowery in oils and so lucian freud is asked at some point why he loves painting lee bowery so much and he's talking about how there's these grays and greens and purples just in the mottle of his ankle or something like that oh wow and um so a thing that he says as well is that the like what he loves about Lee Bowery's body is that it's so abject and ruinous. Ah, uh, that's where you get that from. And then I was like, oh my god, that's my body type. <laughs> I feel seen. Yeah. And I'm the artist, so I feel like I should have known that. But I... no, that's just me obsessing over. I don't actually know anything about art. It's actually a, a obsessing about Lee Bowery from this one video <laughs> that I repost every year on Facebook because my Facebook is entirely reruns from Facebook memories. Um, before we get into the story, <laughs> you've brought in some fan art. Oh, fan art, yes. my Yeah, I've brought in fan art. Um, and they don't wish to be credited, but okay. I feel like I should say that they're pretty horny for me. <laughs> Excellent. So they have made us some audio fan art, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I can't work out how to play it and record us at the same time. So I'm going to pause the recording and we're going to listen to it. I will stick it in in post. Beauty. And then we'll talk about it. Yeah, nice. Okay.
Park. 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 So when you first listened to that, what did you think? I thought, oh, I'm pretty sure I know exactly when she said fuck with that tone of voice, (laughs) but I can't remember where it was in the podcast. Um, It is a piece of art. I appreciate the um, work that went into it, the uh, emotion behind it. What an absolute blessing. I mean... As the person being sampled saying fuck, I, I must say I feel very seen. <laughs> of course you do. I'm wondering if that's my burp in there as well or if that was just a rando burp added in post. But uh, oh, Or is it just me saying fucked like fuck a bit chopped and screwed oh, or something? Oh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not creative in that way myself. Oh, you don't want to know how the sausage is made anyway. <laughs> oh, mm. The sound of a glass of wine. Uh, no, we're those people. Oh, also, well. if you hear a tinkling in the background, uh, Fang, I can't keep him out of the room that we record in, so he's just going to occasionally wander in and out. I thought you were going to say that it would be you having a wee. Oh, I'm not going to record that. There's market for it. Oh, I'm going to video it. I'm not <laughs> going to record it. That's for the online mall patrol. Only fans. <laughs> yeah. Fans only? Only fans? Uh, only fans. Only fans. OF of. How do I not know that? How do you not know that? I'm not paying for my porn. Uh, that is a sin. I'm <laughs> wagging my finger at no, you. No, it's okay because I'm not Pay consuming. Pay for your porn. I'm not consuming any porn. Wait, do GIFs on Tumble account? Uh, well, kind of. Uh, I think it's a grey area. <laughs> uh, lawyering your way out of paying <laughs> sex workers. My God. <laughs> I'm just viewing their ads. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about this episode? Well, we're following on from the last one. You're going to continue, continue telling me the story. Yep. And... Oh, we have chips. Oh, yeah, chips. So we got we got the winning chips from um, the Per Cat Cafe story when we did the so, bracket battle. So loud. So that was the, um, the winner, the championship, the lime and black pepper. Championship... My dad and I used to talk about championship. It's when you go to McDonald's and you find the biggest chip and whoever has, like, the biggest... Like, the longest. It's the championship. Oh, we used to call... I used to call the championship where you got, like, a potato chip, like one of those, and there was a whole bunch of them kind of rolled up in together. Ooh. You know when you get that, like, layered? Yeah, like a a rat king. Yes, like a rat king of (laughs) potato chips. All right. We would call that the championship. Um, I do. I enjoy a wish chip. Uh, yep. You've got one right yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and you're not supposed to touch it with your thumb or something. Oh. I don't, I don't know remember if you eat it that. without 
I don't know. I don't forget what the rules are. Oh, well. Oh, my God. All right. We're only going to eat one chip on Mike because I'm sure some of you will get real pissed off. Yeah, it's a bit obnoxious, right? Yep. So I'll put them to the side. Do you think it's the best chip you ever ate? No. <laughs> um, oh, no. It's good chip, though. It's pretty good chip. I could eat a lot of them. Fuck, what were we talking about? Okay, so we eat the chips. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell the story. Yeah. We've already dealt with the horny fan art. and um, Oh, another thing we'll be talking mm. about today is we have an interview. <gasps> yes. Um, Bry has interviewed a dead dog job expert. Yeah. Um, and this is all like a hilarious throwback to something humorous and throwaway that we'd mentioned on a previous episode. Yeah, just like uh, a little aside. Yeah, uh, chatting about how your dad knew a guy whose job it was to be responsible for dead dogs at the council and that it was the best job ever. And you said if you know anyone yeah. who does that job, let us know. And, and somebody you, you, did! Yeah. So amazing. Podcasts are incredible. Look at the power, that the reach they have. I've been blown away, personally. <laughs> Especially like, considering how small we are. That, that interview is the second best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> uh, so that'll be later in the show. And Briar conducted that all by herself. Um, I was just there holding all the technology up. Yeah, thanks, guys. Spam poetry. Oh, yes, we also have spam poetry at the end. Yeah, all right. Okay, so let's do the thing now. All right, so let's. should we start from the beginning? <laughs> Recap. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to recap the story because we did have to break it into two. Kind of. Kind of. It's not... It's like two stories, but there's yeah. a connection. So I thought this could have its own show. Um, but I will do a recap. So I'm calling this one the Sarah Saga. I mean, this is what other people call it as well. So recap. Kid moves in with some people from the internet and the Final Fantasy roleplay games they play uh, actually turn out to be serious. With their particular beliefs, they identified themselves as soul bonders, believing that they contained the souls of video game characters who had existed but on another plane of existence, now reincarnated in this plane and within them. Various people came and went or given different roles. The main couple were Genova and Hojo. There was Aerith, Sid, and Gast. We saw the story through the eyes of Zack and the partner for a bit who was labelled Red 13. Jen was the main controlling, abusive, cult guru, centerpiece person. While Zack lived there, um, Jen was taking their money, tried to be sexually coercive, created sleep deprivation conditions, made them eat a nutritionally deficient diet, controlled their comings and goings, monitored their communications. Uh, she and her wife, Hojo, fought violently and they stank really bad. <laughs> uh, she used fake suicide attempts to control people uh, and she subjected people to these weird past life regression techniques to get like in contact with their, their characters. Uh, like ice baths, um, drinking green stuff to imitate the like magic earth mana goo from the game, the energy from the game, um, locking people in soundproof rooms, listening to the game soundtrack over and over again, stuff like that. This is so on the nose, but I just um, 
I don't think she's hot enough to get away with all that. <laughs> well, she did for a while anyway. Mm. So Zach eventually escaped with the help of Sid and then their dad. Uh, they were briefly and joyfully homeless. And they posted about all of this online to warn people to steer clear of that group of people. And then others came forward with their stories of interaction with the group. And then we talked about um, the history of Jen having attended a notoriously abusive reformatory type high school. And I think that's where we wrapped up. Sweet. Any comments before we go go ahead? No, I can't wait. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Play it on me. Okay. So that's where I left it. And I said there was another thing, but I thought it should have its own episode. So here we are with the Sarah saga. Let's start afresh. A new place on the internet. Live journal. (laughs) Okay. Did you ever have a live journal? I'm not old enough to have a live journal, but I've been friends with people who had live journals. Yes. Yeah. So for anyone who missed the live journal wave... It, um, so as far as I can tell, yeah, and this is based on a small sample, so you tell me if I'm off here, but was every person on Live Journal a queer girl? <laughs> uh, there's definitely was a strong community of that there. But there was just also a lot of emo people oh. using it as a sort of angsty outlet. Oh. Um, there was like, you could create... Well, okay, so LiveJournal was like a personal blogging platform where you could have a lot of control over the privacy of your posts and who could see what. Oh, yeah. Um, And people would check a feed of posts from live journalists that they followed. So basically like Tumblr, (laughs) but less visual. My head was like, it sounds like Instagram, but with words. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right. Um, So... People put a lot more work, I think, into their posts because it was mostly text-based. I mean, you could put pictures in there, but... Do you remember a time when people would just do a lot more text-based blogging as if anyone gave a shit? Yes. People would, like, the posts on LiveJournal, especially, like, I guess a lot of the stuff that I saw, because I was, like, high school age and uni age, like, early uni age, that the drama people would post like pages and pages and pages long paragraphs of things that had happened like or fiction that they were writing there was also a lot of like written fan fiction and just fiction and stuff and a lot of like little communities would form because you could also create um live journal communities so there was like a group blog that you could submit posts to and I think there were ones where you could submit them and have them posted anonymously, but other ones you could just be, you just join the community and then you can just post to this group blog. Okay. So the place we're starting was a live journal community called Housemate Horror. Mm-hmm. Where people would post about bad shared housing experiences. Sounds amazing. Yes. Quality. Mm-hmm. Um, it still exists, like, it's not active, but you can go and look back through it now. Oh, God, that sounds delicious. I did look through some of it, hey. and I was like, I don't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's there's definitely some gold hidden in there, and this is one of the pieces of gold. So this cropped up on there around 2008 across a series oh. of posts. Yeah. Um, a few years after the Final Fantasy House stuff <laughs> happened. So this crops up in 2008. There's a series of posts. Okay. Now, the copies of these posts I have rescued from a mirror of them being reposted on something awful and then mirrored again. 
So they've been through the something Dang. awful engine, which also like senses some words. Oh, um, and then it's so it's kind of chainmail at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's, it's become copy pasta. Yeah. Um, and there's bits missing and whatever. But I have read through like a place where it is archived, where it's a mirror of a mirror of a mirror. Okay. Uh, there's also chat about it on Reddit and something awful uh, through the Wayback Machine. And also there's a down uh, on the Down the Rabbit Hole episode. Down the Rabbit Hole YouTube also talks about it. Sweet. And there's like 12 posts uh, by someone called Pete, who I'm assuming is male. Pretty sure they're male. Uh, and they weren't all posted at once. He sort of dragged it out and, you know, posted bits and pieces with time in between and people were, like, begging for updates, lots of cliffhangers. So I'm just going to read a lot of them out because they're written in a way that kind of compels the story along. Okay, sweet, right? I'm in. Um, do a little bit of summarising, but mostly I'm just, just going to read the shit out. Okay. So firstly, the living situation. Huge house, like a mansion. Four stories and a carriage house. Five housemates plus the owner. His name is Matt. So there's six people living in the house. How much do I have to pretend to like Final Fantasy to get into this place? Not at all. This is completely different. Oh, This is Pete. Unrelated to Final Fantasy. He's just living in this house. It's a really cool house. It's a really good deal. Um, he says, it had been in his, in Matt's family for generations and it was beautiful. On the first floor are two formal rooms, Matt's bedroom, bath and his den. This huge kitchen, a powder room, a butler's pantry, a wraparound porch and two open rooms that are there for everyone to use. Okay. On the next few floors are the housemates' rooms and baths as well as two extra rooms. One is called the game room since it has a pool table. Another is called the lodge since it contains all of the mounted animals Matt's grandfather hunted. So Matt inherited this house. Okay. And he didn't like living alone. So he wanted housemates, but he was very particular about who he let live with him. Um, So Sounds like I'm not getting a room. Yeah, probably not. All right. Some of the requirements are professionals only. Mm, Okay. No students or kids, um, like, working as waitresses while trying to make it big. Okay. Um, no one under 25. All right. No people with children. All right. And no pets other than Matt's two dogs that were already there. All right. No, no, it's a bit sad. Yeah. Matt also insists that all current housemates agree upon the person we rent to. That's fair enough. Okay. Yeah. And for all of this, we pay only $500 a month, including utilities. So it's incredibly cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, he already owns the house, so he's not paying a mortgage or anything, but this is the cost of the rent that people are paying is kind of covering all the utilities. Yeah. All right. Um, so currently in the house, we have a lawyer, two engineers and a high school guidance counselor, a professional pet sitter and manager of a retail store. Are you sure we don't live in this house? <laughs> I know it sounds like it. <laughs> uh, you're the lawyer and I'm the cat sitter. Yeah. So, um, Matt is the counselor. So okay. And the guy telling the story is the manager of the retail store. Okay. So housemate number six moves out. They're off to get married or something. And they start slowly looking for a replacement. There's no rush because, you know, they're not paying a mortgage. It's just covering utilities. They're kind of okay. They want the right person. Yeah. I get it. So because it's this really good deal, heaps of people apply. Like hundreds of people apply. They whittle it down. And then after calling previous landlords, current bosses, and paying to run uh, background checks, they end up choosing on a choosing a girl called Sarah to move in. 
-hmm. Sarah seems to fit the bill. She was a programmer for a computer company. She was 27 years old. She had a boyfriend, but he lived in another part of the state. She was well-spoken, seemed nice and quiet, appeared to be the perfect fit. Okay, so everything about Sarah was a lie, even her name. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. When she had us run the background check, she gave us two names. Apparently, she had legally changed it at at some point. No problem. Uh-huh. Matt didn't pry as to why she changed her name, and the rest of us thought it was none of our business. Hey, um, when I was 16, hmm. my dad told me I could change my name if I wanted to. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time, like, figuring out a name to change it to. Have I ever told you the story? No. Okay. So the name that I chose was Calypso. Oh, my God. <laughs> I kind of love it. But, like, lucky for me and everybody else involved... Um, my dad has just as little follow through as I do. And that year it was just us living together. So there was no one around to help us propel forward our dumb plan. Your moniker for this podcast should have been Calypso. Uh, I had a different, I realized later that my fake name Mm. should have been something different. My grandma's nickname. Oh, that would have been sweet. Yeah, which I thought would have been really cute. Too bad. Yeah, I'm done. Fucked it. Blew it. Oh, well. Rhino butts it is. You just ruined it like everything else in my life. Oh, that's why we call you butts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so they ran these background checks. Both of the names came up clean, but things turned out to be bullshit. Anyway, yeah. so Sarah moves in. On the day she moved in, Sarah arrived in a cab with luggage. It didn't seem odd, Um but she still had baggage tags on the luggage. She explained she had flown back east to visit her parents between the move out of her old place and move in here. Okay, fair enough. A few days later, her staff arrives and she'd hired a major moving company. Um, she said she was taking a few days off work to unpack. We thought nothing about it. Until the following week when she went to work, only to come home in tears saying she'd been laid off. Oh. We felt for her, and Matt told her not to worry since she'd paid three months in, ab- in advance. Everyone in the house offered to pass her resume around work, but she didn't seem very thankful. <laughs> she decided that she was going to apply to various game and computer companies in the area. One of the engineers who live with us works for one of, of those companies and offered to help her get a foot in the door, and he asked for her resume to pass around, and she flubbed around, saying it was on her computer and she hadn't unpacked it yet, and she would get it to him in the next few days. The next few days, she started to show her oddness. She complained that there was meat in the fridge and that she was a vegetarian. And Matt told her she could keep her food in the carriage house fridge if she was concerned about that, but that most people here ate meat and she would have to get over it. And she whined and moped like a two-year-old. And Matt, being the one to make peace, cleaned out his old college fridge that he kept in his private den for his wine and offered it to her. Mm, yeah. All right. Okay. Nice guy. A week passed, and we still didn't have a copy of the resume. Matt asked her if she needed help writing one, and she said no. She had one, but she was going to visit her boyfriend that weekend, so she didn't have time to think about a job. Odd that one who was unemployed would buy a plane ticket and fly north for a few days, right? Right. She left, and we decided when she returned, we would give her a welcome meal. We made a whole Aww. bunch of food. Real nice. So they made food. They made, like, vegetarian stuff as well as non-vegetarian stuff. Um, And when she showed up, she shook her head at the fact that there was non-vegetarian stuff. And Matt assured her that the meat and the veggies had been cooked separately. And she said, it doesn't matter. You are prolonging your existence on this earth at the expense of another. Don't move in (laughs) to an omnivore house if you're so precious about it. Or at least, like, 
say at the start, I'm a vegetarian and I am very strict about it. And not just, like, assume that there's going to be no meat in the fridge before you get there. I kind of get I, I understand the ethical position because oh, yeah. I'm a very half-hearted pescatarian. But it, it's not persuasive. It's, it's not persuasive to be a dick about that stuff. Like, you're just stroking your own ego. If you want to win hearts and minds, make the Ottolenghi... No, not... Make the make the Alison Roman viral soup. Yeah. Let's set aside all of the... What's the, what's the Ottolenghi thing? The salt and pepper tofu? Oh, I don't know. Just make something by Ottolini that doesn't have meat in it. <laughs> and then make the Alison Roman viral soup. And let's just set aside all Is this the, how we let's... win meat friends and influence meat people? You know, sometimes <laughs> I cook for, um, you know, our mutual friend, um, Menanda. Mm-hmm. And if I cook her something really good, she goes, you know what, I can imagine it. I can imagine not eating meat if all of the meals were like this. But she and I can't live together, so... <laughs> <laughs> just work out. It's not going to happen. <laughs> We've tried twice. No. I love her enough to not live with her. There's plenty of people I love to death that I also know I should never live with. I used to say to her that she and I should have a duplex. And she used to poo-poo it all the time. I'd be very, very hurt. And then, I don't like a year ago, she was like, oh, actually, I figured out what a duplex actually is, and I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> What did you think it was? I don't know. Anyway, back to the story. Yeah, man. Oh, God, this is so long. I'm sorry. Yeah, she's a bit of a dick to these people who prepared food for her. Anyway, in the three weeks that followed, Sarah was still unemployed and she spent all her time playing video games in the family room. She would play the same game over and over, some crappy-looking RPG from the 90s. It was an unpronounceable name, but Sarah said she was bonded to the game. Oh. <laughs> Ringing some bells. Ding-a-ling. She also told us that she changed her name to be that of one of the game characters. Upon further discussion, she explained that she believed she was the human incarnation of this character and that they shared a soul. Um, <laughs> I'm so much more tolerant of this kind of stuff when it's tied up with, like, a weird sex thing. <laughs> Give it time and see what happens. Weird sex I can relate to. (laughs) (laughs) But outside of the bedroom, this is a bit... No, calm it down. Mm. Just take it down a notch. Save it for the boudoir. Oh, It's also a lot to lump on your housemates. (laughs) After you've only been living with them a couple of weeks. (laughs) By the way, I'm the incarnation of a video game character. Look, I didn't mention it earlier, but... Uh, so a week after that, so th- I guess this is a month after moving in, she announced she was leaving again and this time going to the UK to visit an online friend. Still okay. no job. <laughs> Still no job. But she um, was doing nothing but playing video games, complaining, dicking around on the computer and sleeping and that's it. Still trying to find a way to bring her into the group. I even took her to the airport. About 24 hours later, there is a frantic Huge. phone call. Yeah, it's nice. It's a whole episode about Seinfeld on this. (laughs) Uh, So about 24 hours later, there's a frantic phone call from Sarah to the house. It seemed that she was denied entry into the UK. And they're like, what? Okay, that's Okay. So they picked her back up from the airport after she was deported. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get much out of her because she was a blithering, crying mess. But apparently UK officials looked through her laptop and that had greatly upset her. Oh. She also said they took her bag with her medication and so she couldn't control her emotional problems. They took mama's medicine. Mm. She asked me not to tell the others about her needing medicine. 
and I said I wouldn't tell them, but I suggested she do that since the others were kind of losing their patience with her. So she's still unemployed and still had not produced a resume for everyone to pass around. And I felt sorry for her, so I offered her a job at the store I worked at as a part-time cashier. Oh, 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 oh. She said she didn't like dealing with customers. Who does? And that she was overqualified for the job. Uh, so is everyone. <laughs> yes. She, he says, yes, everyone is overqualified. But when you need money, you need money. Nice way to show gratitude. Have you heard about the hot waitress scale? No. It's like apparently, it's apparently this economic measure um, that shows you how well the economy is doing. Mm. So when the economy is really bad, waitresses are hotter. <gasps> because, oh, God. <laughs> oh. Because there's less jobs and people with higher levels of skill or, or like, employability are filtering down into, like, quote-unquote lower-skilled jobs. Yeah. And so people who would be doing... Other jobs are now competing for jobs as waitresses, and the hot ones get picked. What a what a miserable look at our society. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a terrible everything that we have. All of it. All of the things that are our world. They're so bad. I'm sorry. It's U.S. Election Day, and I'm feeling very miserable. Oh yeah. Um. It's, well, I, I'm ignoring politics in the world and have done for a little while now so that I can, like, cope with being alive. Um, but I, like, and obviously I just want to centre myself in all discussions at all times, um, but I was just thinking about how many tables I'd waited and I, I was feeling some, like, this moment of deep compassion for this younger version of me who tended to think that I wasn't quite hot enough for a range of um, hospitality jobs. Oh, Yeah. Poor little Brynel. Though, I did have one job at the coffee club in 2007, the hot year. I was banging at that job. <laughs> because you were banging at the time. Yeah, broadly. Yeah, it was a good year. The hot year. The hot year. I couldn't tell you when my hot year was. How were you looking in 2007? Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have a theory that 2007 was everybody's hot year. I have to go back and look at photos. Um... What year would that have been? I should clarify as well that you're allowed to have more than one hot year. I was a hot teenager-ish. No, I was frumpy. I kind of got a hot again, I guess, when I was in early uni and I got really sick and I lost a lot of weight. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's like, you look great. And I'm like, I'm ill. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Oh, man. I hate the fact that you like me more now. Oh, yeah, it really changes. I, th- I think especially if you're somebody whose weight fluctuates at all, it really uh, changes your relationship to the world and oh, your faith yeah. in humans. It's so transparent. People are so much nicer to me mm-hmm. when I'm... Smaller. I'm not going to say that I'm, ever, I'm never thin, but mm. when I'm less fat, <laughs> people yeah. are so much nicer. It makes a huge difference. And just even in tiny, tiny little ways that they just have that don't accommodate you as a person. I, I mean, you know, the upshot here is that people are garbage. Like, we already knew this. Yeah. And I guess it shows you which people to not spend any time on in any way. Every now and then I talk about meeting somebody, meeting a man, and knowing immediately that he's a gay man. And it's because this comes up in this specific scenario where he is one very hot by normative standards and two is giving me eye contact and engaging with me as if I'm a real human 
Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, it's good that that he is, but the fact that that is so apparent, (laughs) that that's so different to your regular experience. And, you know, even Mm. if it's somebody who's not particularly fabulous at all, I feel like maybe we're moving away from, you know, people (laughs) feeling like they have to do, like, a straight acting sort of thing in community space. But And so this is probably something that came up a little more in the past. Yeah. That I would clock somebody as being a gay man because he was engaging with me as if I was a person. Oh, you know how I was saying everything's horrible? Yeah. Yeah, everything's horrible. (laughs) And I I, I mean, I say this as somebody who, I think I'm pretty decent looking. You are. Yeah, I think I'm all right. You're a hottie. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But even still, Mm. I wonder if attractive people get it, like if particularly attractive women get it that, like the same sort of thing where people aren't engaging with them as because they are so t- like uh, objectified. Yeah, 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 they're being engaged with as like a symbol. Yeah, I th- I think instead of a person. that also happens like when you're on the pedestal. But then another thing happens as well if somebody's reading you as a total ugmo. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean that's the challenge, right? If you're a femme presenting person to have anybody recognize your humanity. Yep. <laughs> Let's get away from the grimness. <laughs> um, and get back to... The uh, cringe. The cringeness. Yeah. From the grimness to the cringeness. Oh, mm, <laughs> this is a combo I like. I think my dick just moved. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So, oh, God, we're still in the first post. Oh, fuck. So, it's the middle of the second month. Just and clip s- out everything I have to say. <laughs> no. Then I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Men will from yell whom? at me. <laughs> She was like, stop cutting off. All right, right. just clip out all of the story. Just have it be all my side quests. (laughs) Okay, so it's the middle of the second month. Sarah still hasn't found a job and doesn't seem to be looking. She tells us she's having a house guest for a week. Mm. And Matt tells her that all guests staying more than three days need everyone's approval. She complains and says this is for her mental health. The guest is the person she was trying to visit in the UK. Okay. We all tell her that we have heavy work schedules that week, so she needs to get places by herself. She doesn't have a car. Um, And she says, fine. The guests arrive. The guests introduce herself as the right bishop something. (laughs) I laugh thinking it's a joke. Apparently it's not. This person thinks she is actually this bishop whose name I can't pronounce or spell. So something will be what I call her from now on. Um, Okay. She also thinks she's a man. But that's another story. Okay, that's fine. Some of the oh, well. language here is a bit transphobic, I yeah, must we're, say. Yeah, we're back in 2008 right now, right? Yeah, we're back in 2008 and... Not that it was cool back then, no. to be clear, but it was probably more to be expected. Yes. Um, Sorry, trans pals. It's bad. But... It was certainly less in the... I think there is an element of, like... They don't think this this person is trans. They think that this person is role-playing, kind of. Like, they think they're this know, video game character. It's surely not unfair for them to read the situation as that in the first instance. And is the person it trans? Are soul bonders mm, Is this something to do people? with people exploring different genders? Maybe. Oh! Yeah. Yeah, well, interesting. And thinking about how Jen was so reluctant to be seen as a lesbian... Maybe, yeah. Maybe Jen has actually some gender issues rather than some sexuality um, hate. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'm open to this as a possibility. Okay. Uh-huh. 
All right. So while we pretend that we have any idea about how to look at people's psychology, um, (laughs) something and Sarah, I love that he calls her something. Something and Sarah spend the week playing video games. Actually, wait. Do you think that him calling her something is transphobic? Oh, because it seems like it's just that the char- he couldn't remember the video game character name. Okay. And yeah. so he just said something. Okay. I guess you could read it that way because he's... Ob- it felt like it was getting a little close to, like, uh, transphobic slur territory. Yeah. I guess it's a non-gendered word, something. And, uh, yeah, I suppose that he's saying that it's about not being able to pronounce the name. Yeah. Mm. That's the way I read it. Maybe I'm being um, very... I, I suppose that we can proceed with something, but okay. it seems... Did you want me to use a different word? Oh, it seems potentially dubious. Okay. Well, we've... And now that I've raised it, mm. I've ruined it for everyone. Yeah. Trigger warning. <laughs> um, what about the right reverend? Uh, all right. <laughs> well, we just call the bishop. What about bishop? Oh, yeah. It's not a reverend. The right bishop? The right... Hang on. Let me just double check. The right <sighs> bishop something. All right. The right bishop. The bishop. Okay. Bishop and Sarah spend the week playing video games, sleeping, playing on the computer, and eating everyone's food. <laughs> that sounds like a great week. I want to spend a week. <laughs> Sleeping and playing video games and eating other people's food. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) And not paying rent. All right, I'll book some leave. Yes. (laughs) We can set up my spare room. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Pete, the author, learns this week that Bishop was another character in another video game. Uh, apparently these people are sharing their craziness online and apparently there are more of them. <laughs> there's liking something, there's fanning something, and then there's this insanity. Part of my trouble is that it's like, I th- this really, it always says something dubious about me, but it's difficult for me to sort of understand people's level of sincere and enthusiastic engagement with this stuff if it isn't a weird sex thing. Yeah. And then I have to remind myself that actually like heaps of video games don't incorporate an element of weird sex thing. Are you admitting to us that you only play hentai games? Um, I want to tell you, can we side quest for a second? Yep. Do you um, want me to keep recording? Yeah, keep okay. recording for sure. There's this person who I'm um, a bit keen on at the moment. And let me... Is it me? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> um... And so they had this thing recently. I just need to go back. Um, they had this thing recently where they were gonna spend a nice night in with some friends um, and play a video game together, which was like a really cringe pickup game. Oh wow! And um, that I, sounds really fun, though. They sent me like a like a little screenshot of one of the parts of this game. So, you know, obviously it's just, it looks like a photograph of a woman and a man and the man has long hair and a beard and the woman has um, what seems to me, honestly, unfashionably dark lipstick, but, you know, you do you, girl. A bit goth? A bit a bit 90s? It doesn't even seem goth. I don't know what's going on here anyway. So the, they're looking at each other and she seems compelled by him. Yes, she looks very attentive. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like a what-do-you-do-next multi-choice kind of thing. Um, what's the setup? A professionally filmed choose-your-own-adventure game that's supposed to teach you how to pick up women, but it's mostly just super cringy and hilarious. Okay. I mean, <laughs> so, that's what all those pick-up games are like. Are they really supposed to teach you? That's kind of the premise. But, okay. Mm. Ooh. Okay. So the options here are A, 
let's say fuck the juice bar and come to my house for juice. B, start trying to grope her and tell her you knew she was a slut when you saw her. Oh, my. C, ask her if she wants you to go down on her. Oh, Jesus. And I said, D, all of the above. (laughs) I knew you were a slut. Go down. Let me go down on you now. Oh, my God. (laughs) Awesome. I feel so seen. And also, thank you. Yes, please. Um, And juice. Like, um, were we not talking, like, on a different episode about how I like to... um, dumbly kind of say like oh my favorite food yes. is juice yes yes all of the things <laughs> so basically this game would be completely effective on you that's what you're saying it all depends on the person doing it right <laughs> yeah totally because if you hate them, all of these yeah. all of it is horrible sexual harassment yeah. but if they're hot and you're into it it's like double thumbs yeah. up yeah. Uh, editorial note that was a thigh slab (laughs) okay i'll I'll stop hitting on brian now disgusting (laughs) horny goblins (laughs) we're still in the first post of this All right, it's a three-episode series. Uh, okay, all right. Don't worry, it's only like 11.15. Oh, fuck. No, no, just kidding. It's like 9.02. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, he's going to shit out of me. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, you know, like um, those micro-expression things? Like, you just went to wipe your eye, but you gave me the finger. <laughs> Jam the the bird into my eye yeah. and teach you a lesson. Uh. <laughs> Poking my eye out to own the libs. Fuck, man. You know, like, I hope that nobody who has a crush on me ever listens to this. <laughs> Aside from the person who did the fan art, I can trust them. Maybe we should get people to fill out a form before we let them download episodes. <laughs> what, to affirm that they don't have a crush on me? Yeah. Do you have a crush on either of the hosts? Um, no. I mean, like, in a perfect world, people who have a crush on me are, like, totally down with what a piece of shit I am. (laughs) But you don't want them to know that beforehand, right? One time I decided to just go a totally different route and I wanted to put, like, what a piece of shit I am front and center. I was like, let's just try that out as an approach. So I'll just, like, tell them about all of my mental health dysfunction, all of the worst things about me. Just put that right at the front end. How'd it go? Uh, They dumped me by text on my birthday. Oh! That's brutal! I can see this girl is delicate, so I will dump her on her fucking birthday. I don't think it was about the delicate bit. I think if I had Do you to... think they were just very thoughtless, or do you mm. think it was calculated for maximum hurt? I think they were oblivious and probably not actually that great. Um, they were a friend of a friend, and our mutual friend was a queer woman. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like this dude had basically like, blown through three, if not four other 
women that she was friends with before he dated me, and I didn't know that oh, at the outset. No. So I was like, is he like some kind of grub who like latches on to a lesbian to just like pump her for all of the women <sighs> that she knows and is friends with who fuck dudes? Yeah. I have I have definitely known dudes who <laughs> Like, oh, I can't help it that all the girls I date are interested in are lesbians. <laughs> I can't help it. Anyway. <sighs> anyway, let's, let's, anyway, back let's to go this thing. to the main story. Fucking Sarah's fucking saga fucking. Mm-hmm. All right. The fourth night of Bishop's visit, one of the engineers decided to barbecue in honour of Matt's birthday. Yeah. We always do something decent for Matt since he is the best landlord ever. I made a cake, the lawyer got some really nice wine, and the other engineer helped cook because she's awesome like that. Yeah. We invited Sarah and Bishop to join us, and engineer number two even offered to make them veggie burgers that she had bought especially for them. They turned down the offer and instead made protest signs and wandered around muttering something about being pacifists but still wanting to call in their army to destroy us for the barbecue. This was apparently very funny to them, but none of us got the joke. After about 20 minutes of their chanting around us as we tried to eat, the lawyer told them to grow the fuck up and get new meds for your insanity and (gasps) leave us in peace. Ooh. Is this... Has Sarah disclosed the mental health stuff? Um, I don't know if she did. He encouraged her to, but I don't know if she actually did. Okay. Yep. Got it. Um, Sarah started to cry and scream that no one understood her and how she hates it when people assume because she doesn't conform to the norm that she is insane. Um, Bishop rushed to her aid, but not before telling us that we were horrible people and that we didn't know that Sarah suffers from PTSD for being teased incessantly in grade school. Matt, uh, always the voice of reason, said, you can't get PTSD from being teased. Oh, Matt. He also said, you get PTSD from being raped, from being a witness to a violent crime, you or from being in a war. You PTSD from stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think Matt's understanding is a bit limited there, but all right. Uh, someone started to argue with him when Sarah reappeared. She cried and said she was going to sue Matt for making her living environment hostile. He just nodded to her and started eating his barbecue. And then the fun begins. Oh, no. So that's his cliffhanger for the next part. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, change my mind. They are the best chips ever. Yeah, I'm enjoying them more the more I eat. Yeah. I'm vindicated by hearing you say that you're enjoying them more the more that you eat because Mm -hmm. I wondered if I was enjoying them more because I drank more wine. Uh, No, I haven't had any wine, so. I don't feel like the black pepper necessarily comes through that strong. But these are surely marketed to white people. Oh, yeah. Because they're a product that's being marketed. (laughs) Bazinga. Take that, society. (laughs) Searing commentary. (laughs) I'm the Joker, baby. (laughs) Okay. So, we last found our hated heroine picketing our barbecue. Okay. I showed the other housemates the post. And they began giving me more stories that I was not aware of involving Sarah. Oh, my God. Carrie has some especially good ones since they were on the same floor and shared a bathroom. I now have lots of material to entertain you with. Okay, the game Sarah was obsessed with was called Suikoden. It's okay. like it's a Japanese RPG game. Yep. Um, um, Squeaky gin. It's not it's not spelt the way that it sounds, but Suikoden. Um I didn't tell you the character name since she legally changed her last name to the character's last name. Um, um, 
yes, the character is apparently male. Yes, Sarah is definitely female. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to give names to all the housemates, which he hasn't yet. He's just been calling them by their profession. Mm-hmm. So Pete, that's me. I'm a retail manager. Matt, the landlord, mm-hmm. uh, is a high school guidance counselor. Carrie is a mechanical engineer uh-huh. uh, and was the only woman living in the house mm-hmm. up until this, till Sarah moved in. Zach is a computer engineer. Works for a major software design company. Dan Uh is a professional pet setter. He's never home because he's busy pet setting. And Tim is an attorney and he speaks his mind all the time. Oh. That's not like a lawyer at all. (laughs) And then he's listed the insane people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So there's going to be a lot of ableist language in this. Yeah. Uh, Sarah. I like Okay. Sarah, a girl who believes she is a male video game character and the rest of the world are ignorant fools. Unemployed. This is how he describes her. <laughs> all right, all right. Bishop, a girl from the UK who believes she is a man and is also a video game character. Sarah's friend she met online. Boyfriend. Sarah's boyfriend who lives in another part of the state. He's just going to call it call this dude boyfriend. Okay. All right. Uh, following the incident at the barbecue, Sarah retreated to her room and would send... Bishop out to procure her food. This seclusion went on for two days until Bishop came downstairs bearing a letter from Sarah. Oh, no. The the letter asked us all to meet with her that evening. Matt agreed to have a house meeting and all of us were there. Even Dan, who was really home. All right. We sat in the family room and waited for Sarah to arrive at the appointed time. She and Bishop made quite a show. They came downstairs together. Sarah wrapped in a blanket, wearing her PJs and leaning on Bishop. Bishop preferred prefaced the meeting with some nonsense about how everything said in the room was not to leave the room. Okay. How we had to be careful of Sarah's mental state and how we must approach things with an open mind. Okay. Uh, and then Pete editorialises, no, I don't think so. You're invading my space and wasting my time and you are crazy. Okay, anyway, Pete. Matt says, we will listen to you. I cannot promise anything else. <laughs> okay, Matt. I kind of like Matt's attitude. Sarah lifted her head and started to talk. She started with, I'm sorry, but you have to understand where I'm coming from. Lots of people cannot understand me because I have such a high intellect and it's beyond their grasp. (sighs) To which Pete says, excuse us for being sane, bitch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, From there, we heard about various things, including her parents were awful to her because she didn't understand her. They didn't accept her as a video game character and her father threatened to disown her after she changed her name. All her mother wanted was a doll to dress up and give lots of presents. It wasn't fair that they couldn't accept her for who she was. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. The kids in middle school picked on her and this caused her to have problems. It wasn't fair that people picked on her because she was different. Uh, I mean, yeah. That happens to a lot of people. Yep. The only people who understand her are her online friends who also believe they are video game characters. They have created their own safe haven, and since she started the soul bonding movement, she has had lots of followers. Oh my god, she started with the soul bonding. Apparently. She used to belong to fandom, but left because people trivialized her alter ego and used him in porn. Oh. At this point, I really wanted to look the guy up and draw him getting... Oh no, No, I'm not going to read the rest of this. He says horrible things. No. Um, Okay. Uh, we listened, we nodded. Most of us refrained from rolling our eyes. Matt asked, are you receiving professional help? Mm. She said she didn't have insurance, so she didn't. Uh, she hadn't been able to see anyone lately. And this raised a flag with Tim. He asked, didn't your job give you insurance? And then the truth came out. Okay. 
She never had a job. She never lived in the state. She lived on the East Coast and decided that um, California would be more accepting of her. She started looking online for a place to stay and found us. To get past our screenings, she had an online friend who worked at a programming company, pretend to be a boss. The driver's license she faxed us for background check was legit, kind of. She visited California and used another internet friend's address as her own to get her license. We asked her to leave. Matt even offered to let her stay there for April, since she paid for it, and give her the $500 back when she moved out by May 1st. She started to cry. Some uh, bishop tried to stick up for her, but Dan told her to shut up. She didn't live here. (laughs) She doesn't even go here. (laughs) They went back upstairs, and we all thought that was the end of it, and that she would be gone by May 1st. Thank you, Dan. Charms. (laughs) She was not. She did not leave. She caused many more problems. Great. Awesome. Can't wait to hear about them. Okay. So next post. Um, He expands on a few things that people were asking about in the comments. Mm -hmm. Uh, Background checks in the US only verify whether someone has been in trouble with the law. It doesn't go into... (laughs) Interpersonal conflict. Or like mental health issues or medical information. Um, (laughs) Quite likely, rightly so. (laughs) Uh, he says she was quite a different person when they interviewed her um, and that there was a dramatic change after she got off her medication. Oh. Um, which I think that initiation of that is when the when she got deported and they kept her meds. Oh, okay. fuck. All right. <laughs> so when we interviewed after she left, we added, are you involved in any long, online fandoms to our list of questions? Psych sucker, you're out. Mm. Um, someone questioned me. I just love Supernatural. (laughs) (laughs) He said, uh, we don't care if you're a Trekkie furry anime game freak. We care that you're stable enough to get along with other human beings. All right. Someone questioned me whether or not I was insulting soul bonders. Look, you want to believe in your heart of hearts that you're actually a video video game character. Fine. You can even live in my house, but you can't be rude and obnoxious and expect the world to revolve around you because you think you're some kind of special intellectual cupcake. Um, Just don't be a dick. He says, Bishop's soul name or whatever sounded like Sasserai. I don't know what game it's from. Okay, I think that comes up later. So Sasserai is... I'll keep calling them Bishop Bishop for now. Yeah. Bishop's visit was initially intended to be seven days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember, we weren't given an option in this. (laughs) They just showed up. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after Sarah's breakdown, Bishop changed her plane ticket... Uh, airline tickets are expensive. Changing an international airline ticket is insanely expensive. How was um, Bishop affording this? She didn't seem like she had a job. Things were getting stranger and stranger. The housemates had begun to get annoyed that Bishop decided to crash here for another 10 days and we were not told until Bishop herself told Matt, I'm staying. Matt said, so nice of you to decide that my house is your house. And she said, I have to take care of Sarah. She hasn't come out of her room since you told her that she has to leave. I've been bringing her food and making sure she takes care of herself up there. That's a lie, Matt said. I've seen the two of you down here playing video games. But she'll only come out if I'm with her, Bishop replied. I don't even know your real name, Matt answered. I know you were not born with the name that you use, and I don't trust people who can't tell me their name. Uh, Bishop gave him some story about how she was this bishop and how everything he was saying was an insult to her religion. She spent about 20 minutes trying to explain this religion of soul bonding to Matt, Zach, and I. Finally, Matt told her she could stay the 10 days, but after that she was going to a hotel or he was calling the cops. 
Then yep. he told her that he wanted to talk to Sarah that evening. Bishop said she would relay the message. Mm-hmm. Matt told Sarah that some that Bishop was annoying the household and that she was taking advantage of his good nature by keeping her there. He also offered to take her to see a psychiatrist who was a friend of his that he met working through the school. He said she wouldn't have to pay a thing because his friend agreed to see her as a favour to him. And she agreed reluctantly. I don't feel like I would want to agree to that as a scenario. Uh, Keeping the American medical system in mind... I think it's dubious mm. that that psychiatrist agreed to that scenario. Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's what I don't like about the scenario. Anyway. Yeah. The next morning, Matt took Sarah to the doctor while Bishop fretted about not being allowed to go. Bishop spent the better part of that morning whining to everyone who was in the house. She flopped down on the sofa and said that she had a right to be there with Sarah because Sarah had shown her path and she needed to give back to her friend in need. Zach told her to grow up and Zach rarely talks to anyone he doesn't know. I asked her how Sarah could afford to live here. She said that was Sarah's business. I said it was our business since she was... uh, Sarah's mouthpiece, I expected an answer. She said when Sarah got back, she would have her tell us. It was like talking to a five-year-old. Uh, you're kicking her out. I'm pretty sure that her source of income is none of your business at that point. Mm, yeah, Rent's paid off. So Matt brought Sarah back. Keep in mind he took a day out of work to run this favour for her, and she <laughs> went to her room. Bishop followed. Matt said he couldn't tell us exactly... Coercing someone to go to a psychiatrist is not a favour. If she was on medication and then she had lost her access to medication because she didn't have insurance and the UK police had taken her medication, she didn't have access to medication she was already on. This was a way of providing her with access to something she'd already been diagnosed and medication she was already on. I see that as... It's difficult for me to, like, get my head around. Like, if we're in Australia Mm. and it's like, I've gone to a psychiatrist, they've recommended a particular med, it's going to be able to be administered by a GP, I may well have repeats, you know. Yeah. And this is a completely different... From uh, what I gather, completely different experience for access to, um, uh, like, medical professionals and access to medication in the US. I had this idea that it would be easier to access meds in the US without prescription, but I don't know. I don't think Freedom. so. Freedom. I don't know. Freedom! Freedom! Uh, he did take her to a pharmacy afterwards, so she was obviously able okay. to get her medication. This does sound like... In the next few days, Sarah changed. She didn't spend hours in front of the TV or the computer. She smiled, she talked to us, and she even told Bishop to give it a rest when Bishop wanted to talk about forming their army again. <laughs> Whatever drugs she was taking were working very well for her. About a full week later, Sarah started filling out job applications online and emailing her resume. She actually seemed to be tired of Bishop's presence. One evening while a bunch of us were in the kitchen, I asked how she was able to afford all this without working. She said, plain as can be, I have people offer me donations on my blog so I can spread the news of my religion. Oh, okay. And he says, what? So there are more morons out there giving money to Sarah (sighs) so she can pretend to be a video game character and teach others how to do the same. Uh, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Bishop said, we give her things because she has helped us find our true selves. Pete asked, so you don't work either? Oh, no, Tim asked that. I could tell he was ready to explode. No, I get government benefits in the UK. Why? Because I don't like to work. Okay. Then he goes on a big rant about how no one likes to work. Um, uh, incorrect. I love my job. <laughs> uh, but he's kind of incredulous of the fact that people just donate money to them. 
Um, it's 2008. Nobody gets, like, GoFundMe yet. Finally, Bishop leaves. I was almost cheering as Zach took him to the airport. Then the very next day, Sarah had good news. She had an interview for a job as a tester at a software company. Cool. Matt asked her if she had started to look for a new place because it was now April. She said she had looked at some places online but needed to visit them in person. Even Tim offered to give her rides to check them out. So what do you think happened next? Ooh, the story is just getting started. (laughs) So she managed to get a job doing software testing. Yep. Ironically, we're our housemate. Mm-hmm. the original number six who moved out where they worked. <laughs> number six. Number six. I'll tell you more about her work ethic in a future post. Suffice to say, she was shocked to learn that your boss gets mad when you update your I'm a video game character blog from your workplace. Anyway, she started taking her meds. She was decent to be around and stopped being a complete and total freak. I didn't hear the R word chimes of that video game in the family room either. There was a week between her getting a job and starting the job, and this required her going for drug testing and stuff. I drove her to do that, and when we were leaving, she asked if I would take her to the airport the next day. I asked, why? Oh, because her boyfriend had sent her cash for a plane ticket to come and see him for the weekend. Okay. All right, so she's going away again. The weekend before you start a new job, you travel. Brilliant. I told her I would, but she would have to give me gas money since the airport is about an hour from the house. And she said, but I have no money. And I told her to stop lying. I knew she was making money off her... But oh, I have no money. <laughs> off her blog. She shrugged. It was worth a try. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, yes, a devious bitch, he says. She leaves the weekend and then her flight back Sunday night gets delayed by four hours. She didn't get in until 2 a.m. and hadn't asked anyone to pick her up. So what does she do? She calls the house. Tim answered the phone and told her to take a cab. When she got home at 4am after finding a cab, she started yelling and screaming, waking everyone up. She cursed everyone and told us we were not being sensitive to her needs. And Matt asked her point blank if she was taking her meds. And she said, no, because my boyfriend says they are bad for me. Um, Tim told her to grow the fuck up and get back on the pills. The rest of us returned to our rooms while she threw a fit. Stuff was pulled out of their cabinets. Carrie said she smashed a few of her coffee mugs, cabinet slammed, she broke a window and a wooden spoon. When I left for work later that morning, she was sitting in a heap in the family room playing her game, and I left her there. So much for the first day at work. She called in sick. Matt came home from work and told her she had two choices. Go with him to see his shrink friend again, or he was calling the cops about all the breakage she did. The next morning, she got up and went to work. That evening, she apologised to all of us and offered to pay for the broken stuff when she got her first cheque. Everyone just nodded. She said her boyfriend was coming to visit for a weekend the following week. Okay, the boyfriend. Uh-oh. Sarah worked those four days and then the following week, putting us into the middle of April. Then her boyfriend arrived. He was a nice guy and we couldn't figure out what he was doing with her. But of course, you guessed it, he was one of those soul bonders. <laughs> Except he believed he was a dragon. Okay. I mean, that's a part of the fairy... I guess if it's a particular character that's a dragon. All right. That's right. A fucking dragon. Uh, Tim... Dragons aren't furry. How clog? Um, they're called scalies. <laughs> well, you've got an answer for everything, don't you? I do. All right. Uh, Tim asked him to breathe fire. <laughs> Apparently that was offensive to him. 
But he had better humour about it than Sarah and didn't claim to have PTSD like Sarah did. Sarah went crazy cleaning before he came. She told Carrie to vacuum her room because boyfriend was allergic to just about everything. Carrie replied that boyfriend was not invited into her room, so it shouldn't be an issue. And Sarah said even the dust from over there will cause him to break out. Sarah also had the gall to tell Matt that his dogs couldn't be in the house while boyfriend was there. Um, She's Okay, so I think Sarah's number one crime mm. is... Failure to read the fucking room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, very bad at that. <laughs> Matt replied, I like my dogs more than your boyfriend. Ooh. He can sleep outside. <laughs> One interesting thing about him was that he called Sarah by her video game name, which is decisively male. Dad, Dan asked him if he was gay, and that pissed him off, but it was still funny. Mm. Mm. I mean, like, these stories don't have to have clear good guys and bad guys. It's all right if everybody's kind of a dick. Everyone's a dick here. Um, Oh, my God, is this an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia? (laughs) Sarah whined that we weren't being very nice to her guest, and Dan said, why should we be? The last one you brought home stayed way too long, and this guy just pays for you to live in a delusion. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Uh, That set the boyfriend off. Didn't we know that plenty of people in the world were soul bonders and other kin and that we were racists? (laughs) Now, I don't know how that those demographics qualify as race, but okay. He said we were harassing Sarah and that we better watch it. Matt said, I've been making sure your girlfriend has been getting her medicine that she needs. You should be more thankful. And then the boyfriend started off on how medicating someone like Sarah was wrong and just a way for the drug companies to make money. He said the drugs stunted Sarah's creativity. Might be right depending on what they're for. Tim said something nasty, and then a day later, the boyfriend left. Okay. We're now a week out from Sarah's supposed move-out date. Departure. One night where we were watching a ball game on TV, and Sarah was whining that she wanted to get lost in her world because she had a hard day at work, Tim said, when are you leaving? And she said, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Matt said, I told you you had to be out by May 1st, since you're a month-to-month tenant. And she said, you didn't give me enough notice. I only have to give a month's notice, Matt said. I don't have it in writing, she replied. I don't do written leases, Matt said. I only do month to month. And over 30 days ago, we told you that we wanted you out. And then she said, then you have to evict me. Okay. All right, fine. Uh, Next post. In the coming months, we would all learn a lot about the landlord and tenant law in California. Oh, you sure will. (laughs) Yeah, try and unlawfully evict someone. Tim is a lawyer, but not in real estate. So while he helped as much as he could... (laughs) Time to call the tenants' union. (laughs) Um, He had to look a lot of stuff up or call in favours from friends. Now, keep the following things in mind. We learned these as we went along and fought this battle for almost a year. Oh, my God. You couldn't fucking evict her in less than a year. You fucked up, bros. (laughs) Our situation is legally defined as owner-occupied single-family dwelling. Okay. We are legally called lodges, since yep. we rent rooms, not apartments. Yeah. And county law requires a CO. I don't know what that stands for. If there is more than four people Chief lodging. occupant? Yes, that must be it. Matt did not have one because he never thought it would become an issue and didn't know he needed one. Oh, that sounds like a permit of some kind for having. Th- that, uh, that can be a thing in Queensland, too. Yeah. If you've got enough people um, renting rooms at a particular place, then you need to sort of sort some shit out. Fair enough. Um, in California, a landlord must show just cause to evict someone. <laughs> 
unless it is a single lodger in an owner-occupied single-family dwelling. Emphasis on single. It is illegal to deny housing to anyone with a disability and or on the basis of their religion. Oh. See, we have some interesting quirks in um, anti-discrimination law in Australia where if there's like... I think some of this stuff is contested and maybe a little bit controversial and maybe it's in flux. Yeah. But historically there's been a situation where if you're treating somebody less favourably on the basis of the behaviour itself rather than the disability, yeah, then that's fine. So uh, I've never practised anti-discrimination law myself, but mm-hmm. I've worked alongside people who do, and so something that I routinely saw was, um, like, autistic kids in a school setting. And so if the kid is being treated less favourably, not directly because they're autistic, but because their autism is leading to a certain set of behaviours in the school setting, then that might you might have a tougher time arguing that right. the less favourable treatment is discriminatory. Right. Okay. So in Queensland, maybe, well given the state of anti-discrimination jurisprudence past, I understand that some of this stuff may be in flux currently, but they might have had an easier time because I'm not sure that they give too much of a shit about what her identity is. It's really the behaviours that are bothersome to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Though he calls her lots of names in this. It's it's the things that she's doing. It's not who she is. Yeah. Like, I get the impression that... They're, like, These picketing guys. them eating and stuff. And, yeah. Mm. Okay. So a day after Sarah told us we would have to evict her, Matt gave her written notice that she had 30 days to vacate. Mm-hmm. He did not give a reason, just a date. Sarah decided to confront him that night in front of all of us. Why are you kicking me out? Because you irritate everyone here, Matt said. It's just not working out. You'd be happier in your own place where you can do what you want. I can do what I want here. No, you can't. No one fucking likes you, Tim said. (laughs) Uh, You're crazy. You bring bring crazy people here and you do nothing. We all have jobs and lives that we need to deal with. I don't want to come home and have to make sure I don't cook a hamburger while you're around. It's kind of sour grapes, right, to be mad that she's not working and is able to derive income to pay her rent through alternative means. Yeah. I mean, I'm jealous. Sorry that you hate your fucking job, bro. Like, (laughs) sort your life out. True. Everyone said their piece. Mine was that I was really tired of listening to that fucking game and her insane babblings about it. Zach Mm. complained about the noise. Apparently she liked to dance around in her room when working on her computer at 2am. His room was directly underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie said that she was tired of getting yelled at to clean the bathroom. It seemed that Sarah cleaned it at least three times a week and that since Carrie didn't, she would get notes under her door. That's just kind of passive-aggressive, really. Well, everybody's different. If you're somebody who wants to clean a bathroom three times a week, then, I mean, number one, you and I shouldn't live together. Mm. Number two, if you want it like that, go ham. But don't expect other people to... Not everybody else is going to live to your standards. Different people have different things that they give a shit about. That's just how it happens. You sit down, you have the house meeting about who cares about what shit and who likes what jobs, and you figure out an integrative solution. That's too logical. This This is not what's happening here. This is like when I lived in a really raggedy share house some time ago... 
I didn't like cooking and I couldn't cook. Everybody cooked for me. But damn, I could roll a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you got to find, you got to, you know, find your value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like everybody has their special gift. <laughs> yes. The rolls have changed. I don't roll smokes anymore, but I cook a nice viral Alison Roman soup. Uh, so Dan's complaint is he said he couldn't respect anyone who scammed money off people. He didn't want to be a party to that. Uh, and Sarah says, they give it to me because I founded this subculture. I taught them how to find their true selves. There is no such thing as a subculture, Tim said. You believe you're a male... <laughs> There's no such thing as a subculture. That's a patently untrue statement, but I think he means there's no such thing as this subculture. All right, all right. You believe you're a male video game character and the rest of us are not... You believe you are a male video game character and the rest of us are stupid for not understanding this, right? Well, I have a very high Q and I'm very intellectual and it's different to, difficult to relate to me. Tim laid it out to her. I graduated first in my class in law school. I'm smart, but I'm not bragging to the world how awesome I am because I can wake up one day and decide I'm a video game character. It's more than that. I share a soul with him. I relate to him. I understand him. I'm sure there are lots of other fangirls who do too. And then Sarah started crying. She ran up to her room. We thought that was it and that she would be gone, but no. So everyone's a dick here. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, I think Sarah is delusional. Like, I think she has a delusion about this to a degree. But I also think that her housemates are kind of being a dick. Yeah. But they're being a dick to get her to leave the house, right? I think broadly, mm. if you're living in a house and people don't want you to be there... You should go. It probably serves everyone's interest for you to go. I think it... Yeah. A week later, Matt was called by someone from the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Sarah mm. had complained that she was being unfairly evicted because of her religious beliefs. He was instructed that someone from their office would be coming to the house for a discussion as part of their investigation. So this guy shows up... get that to happen in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not in a couple of days. Oh, my God. Um, it's a very effective bureaucracy there. Yeah. So this guy shows up a few days later and sits down with Matt, Tim, and I. First off, he wants to see Matt's CO, Certificate of Occupancy. That's what it stands for. Wait, was that a thing in um, Per Cat Cafe? Yes. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey. It's like all she had was a Certificate of Occupancy. She didn't have a license to do various things. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, clearly, I didn't learn my lesson. Uh, oh, look, look, look. This is the kind of thing that I would notice, right? <laughs> So Matt says he doesn't have one. And Tim said that it was a private residence and we were just friends and we were sharing the place. The guy asked if we pay rent. Tim said, we help pay taxes and upkeep, but not rent. So then the guy wants to know how we are discriminating against Sarah. We told him the whole story and he kept cracking up. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Tim said, this is a private re residence and we just don't want to put up with someone like that. The guy said he dismissed her complaint <gasps> since her religion was obviously a scam, but he warned that this wasn't a private residence anymore and that Matt needed to get a certificate of occupancy as soon as possible because if Sarah tried to claim discrimination again, it could be an issue. 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 So getting a CO requires an inspection and a whole bunch of other headaches I was glad I didn't have to deal with. 
Matt made all the arrangements for his work because he was afraid that Sarah might pick up on the fact that he didn't have one and cause more problems. All right, yeah, that's strategic. He still didn't have it by the end of May. This will be a problem later. Uh, all right. As the month w- wound to a close, Sarah was still being a pain in the rear end, but she was at least taking her pills. She wasn't completely delusional, but none of us really wanted to talk I to her I love how anymore. he doesn't want to say ass. She's a pain in the rear end. Yeah. But he's happy to crack out the R word. Oh, yeah. Super happy. I mean, people was people. bandied around the internet so much more casually in that era, too. Yeah. That era. <laughs> like 2008. Only a year after the hot year. <laughs> so Matt decides to piss her off by taking the TV out of the family room. Oh, my God. He warned us all before he did it. <laughs> And none of us cared because we either had sets in our own room, brought or bought them, and in Dan's case, just didn't watch TV, unless it was soccer. (laughs) Good on you, Dan. Mm -hmm. Sarah had a shit fit. She didn't have a TV. She couldn't get lost in her world. So what did she do? She started asking her loser friends for money. She also started selling her fan fiction and essays on soul bonding. She used one of those lousy self-published sites where no one checks what you're actually publishing. She asked me to do the cover for her. I told her it would cost her $200. She said, consider it a donation to the cause. I um. <laughs> uh, she says, you're a furry. You know how fandoms support each other. And I told her, I'm not a furry. I draw furry art for money. I wouldn't want to be called a furry after some of the things that furries do, just as I was certain they were soul bonders who didn't want to be called that after what she does. Uh, so this just got a little bit complicated. Yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, I'm not a furry. I just I have produce seen... yeah. super sexy furry art. I've seen a bunch of other artists that do this too because furries pay for their art. They really respect getting their characters rendered visually and so they will they respect the artists and they pay for art. And You're going to pivot into furry I've literally portraits. considered it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of money. Why don't you do it under a different name? I'm not actually very good at drawing faces. I have a th- I'm a bit weird about drawing faces. and But they're not human faces. But you are imbibing them with human uh, expressions and stuff. In order to be super sexy. Well, in, in order for them to be furry and not just a drawing of an animal. Oh, because you've got to do anthropomorphic, yeah. yeah. And right. you're creating people's characters who oh, have particular right. personalities and whatever. And I don't think I'm very good at that. <laughs> but uh, Sorry about it. There is a lot of money in it. And uh, there are definitely people who do it who aren't furries, but who appreciate a community that respects artists and pays artists for their work. I respect a community that gives me money. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, like, hashtag Capricorn. Uh, Okay. So, all right, this guy's obviously, he has some experience of fandoms and and the furry world, but he still thinks that she's bonkers. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay. A week later, she had a TV delivered. It was a nice one. Probably set her soul bond free friends back $600 or so. Oh, my God. American money. That's like $1,200. Then she complains there's no cable in her room. This is like more than 10 years ago. So it's like $2,400. It must have been a really big TV. Okay, so she complains there's no cable connection in her room. She'd known that when she'd moved in, but... 
I guess it wasn't an issue until the TV situation changed. Uh, she told Matt to get it installed for her since she was contributing money to pay for cable. And he told her she could keep the $10 a month for the cable, but that she he wasn't paying for that and that he didn't want his house ripped up in that way. She said she had a right to cable. Um. <laughs> so, Carrie, housemate Carrie, mm-hmm. is going to try and write some stories about Sarah while Pete is gone. He's going camping. Um, and people are begging for more stories. More. More. Mm. Okay. I'm not sure if this is Carrie's post. Maybe it is. We'll see. All right. Um, When Sarah didn't move out at the end of her 30 days, Matt filed an unlawful detainer on her, which is basically a legal paper that says, get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice summary. (laughs) Sarah contested it and complained that she was being evicted for religious reasons and because we did not like her disability. So this went to landlord slash tenant court, but not for two months because they were so backed up. Yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> In the meantime, we were being investigated. Uh, oh, and we moved the TV back into the family room because Sarah was bo- bothering everyone to use their TVs with cable. We figured it was less annoying to have her down there. That's all the boring legal stuff. Let's talk about the soul party. <coughs> Yes, let's talk about that. Oh, it's hard to be compassionate, isn't it? I I mean, I feel for it. This is somebody who's having a tough time Mm. existing in the world with other people. I kind of wish that she had... uh, I kind of wish she had the opportunity to live in the Final Fantasy house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we had our 4th of July party at the house like we always do. Everyone invites friends and it's a lot of fun. And Sarah chose to sit in her room and sulk at all the animals we were killing to celebrate. Do you, do you think that people in the US have the same thing that we have here where there's like a don't celebrate Australia Day kind of thing? Is there anybody who's like, oh, no, no, don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't celebrate 4th of July. I think that is a thing because of the fact it's all about colonisation. Yeah, 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 right. I'm, I'm just not friends with many people from the US online. Yeah. I've definitely Enid, seen... Enid, tell me. I've definitely seen, like... I don't, I'm not sure if there's a particular name for the movement, but I've definitely seen people being like... We don't really have a name for it either, do we? Oh, we have... Um, it's just if you're like some kind of social justice killjoy, it's like... Yeah. I mean, it's a long weekend, so still get it, fucked up, we obviously. Call it in- invasion Day. <laughs> invasion stuff. Day. You can't have an Invasion Day party. No. There's plenty of times when I've still got fucked up on that weekend, but I'm not going to, like, post about it. No. It's just going to be, like, the same kind of fucked up as any other weekend. <laughs> yeah. It's not a special <laughs> fucked up. No. It's just a regular No kitty pools. <laughs> no jelly shots. No just triple J hottest 100. Um, just the usual stuff, you yeah. know. Just being fucked up in a way that doesn't disrespect um my aboriginal brothers and sisters yeah everyone loves getting fucked up i mean here i am getting (laughs) fucked up on a weeknight okay so she's sulking because they're eating meat at the barbecue okay um i was kind of hoping she would come down and protest in front of everyone but i guess without bishop around she didn't act like she didn't like to act a total rear end He's saying rear end. Yeah, he's really... Or maybe this really... is part of the something awful filter. <gasps> oh. This might be... Some of the terms may be the going through several filters and mirroring. Uh, like, 
it puts gently caress instead of fuck. And so I have been putting the word fuck back in. That's been a part of the forums forever. I remember I get, people talking about that, yeah. getting gently caressed and stuff. Um, but, yeah, maybe uh, maybe ask. What do you think is worse, like the word caress or the word fondle? Caress. Do you think there's a difference? Is caress from the top and fondles from the bottom? I feel like fondle is much more... Um, active whereas caress is more um like just touch fondle's like grabbing the boob and moving it around and caressing is it is like fondle like if you fondle the boob you're like i thought it was like a and and caressing it is just like touching it oh, all right all right all right that's my interpretation that could be some merit to your perspective okay i'll concede would you like to see me fondle my boob again? <laughs> <laughs> you said there would be no more hitting oh, on no. me <laughs> Oh, um, d- uh, I should show you a thing that I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener, she just honked her boob. An <laughs> 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 old timey honked her boob. <laughs> it's a old timey honker. <laughs> um, I have a line on my resume about being able to do that. <laughs> what? What does it say? I'm just kidding. <laughs> have this like wonderful um like a line that could be interpreted multiple ways no 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 like i'm very physically skilled no i've got a very straight down the line kind of resume it says poo poo in here a lot which i think is the replacement for the word shit Uh it's another like filter all right like poo poo um so i guess without bishop around she didn't like to act like a total butthole rear end whatever the term is there <laughs> that oh, something awful has replaced um so i was kind of disappointed lo and behold two days later bishop shows up unannounced what? hi i'm here <laughs> from the uk matt said shit no that piece of trash isn't staying here and sarah said well if you have a party i can have a party and i'm having a party this weekend and bishop is here to help me prepare <laughs> no parties without my approval, Matt said. Tell that to the judge. I'm feeling discriminated against. Uh. Yeah. Did I mention what a fucking bitch she was? Yeah, I thought so. Um, I think loving is a replacement for fucking too. Or maybe it's... Anyway, that Friday I came home from work around 8.30 to find the housemate sitting out in the carriage house drinking beer and looking all kinds of pissed off. Matt was inside. They said, why? Because 12 people plus Bishop, had shown up for Sarah's party. They all brought their own pillows and blankets so they intended to sleep over. Mm. And who were these people? Fellow soul bonders. Of course they were. On the internet. Of course. Who else would she be friends with? Matt dragged Sarah out of the house and we all confronted her. Bishop ran behind them like a drunk frat boy chasing a can of bud. Whatever this shit was, it was not going on. He said, no one in my house that I don't know. You didn't know their friends, she said. Their friends didn't come from the internet and use fake names. Oh, oh that did it. Bishop laid into Matt. I'm from the internet and I use a fake name. Yeah. I'm being discriminated against <laughs> in this shit house. Uh, an excellent party guest. I'm trying to think of ways to evidence that I am an excellent party guest and I got nothing. You've been to parties? I've been to parties. And you've been invited to them again? It's true. So you must be fine. And if I need to have a little spew, I do it neatly and with little drama. I can't do that. If I need to have a spew, oh, God, I'm a mess. 
No, I'm like... Yeah, you know, some people can just go, bleep, and then they're done. Yeah, I just, like, relax and let it out, like, bleh. Oh, I cannot do that. When I vomit, my <laughs> whole body vomits. Oh, just, like, like a blood vessel <laughs> in your eye kind of deal. Uh, I have... I have gotten some little <gasps> red thingies in my eyes. Oh, yeah, bad violent hangover. Just like just a little bit. Just I didn't let get it the happen, full... bro. Yeah. Well, it's just that anyway. It's uh, it's a different body. Yeah, my when my body wants something out of it, it really works hard to make that happen. I'm just that chill. <laughs> Brr. Oh, I remember when I was in like second year uni, <laughs> there was this guy. That would come and hang out with my group of friends. And he was actually, he wasn't at uni. He was like an army dude that we were friends with online. And he would come and stay with us sometimes. And he was a full-on alcoholic. Like, really, the government I mean, I picked that up from the bit where you said he was in the army. Yeah, the government (laughs) paid for a intense alcoholism. And I was really impressed, because I'm like second year uni, of course, (laughs) with going out partying with him and him... Being at the bar, queued up for a drink, getting his drink, and then going, oh, hang on, spewing in the pot plant next to him. Puke and rally. And then drinking the drink Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know. When I was in, no, I must have been in third or fourth year uni by the time I was dating the dude who was absolutely like that. Yeah. I've been going through and shutting down, like, setting a bunch of my, like, super old Facebook albums to visible only to me. And some of those albums are, like, pictures from Nights Out with that particular uni boyfriend. Yeah. And some of them are just, like, him on a set of stairs having spewed. Oh. And and me thinking that it's, like, a great idea to take a photograph of that. I did the same shit. And post it to my Facebook. I did the same shit. And, and oh, my this, God, we're twins. It's just, like, the shifting sands of norms around, mm. like, what would one post online, what would one post to Facebook. I think it was also... Like, Facebook back then was more your immediate friends and less family. Yeah. But also, yes. And maybe There was more carefreeness with the posting of images. And and maybe there was a little less of a sense around, like, constructing an online identity with any kind of purpose. It was... True. And I think that that was what Facebook really wanted to foster in the first instance. Remember when they were really coming down hard on people having fake names? Yeah. That was also because they wanted to get all the sex workers off their platform. Oh, really? Mm. I didn't know about that part. I can remember it being a big problem for, like, um, Native American people. Mm, And trans people. Yeah, for trans people. Yeah, really nasty. And people who were, like, in domestic violence situations. Yeah. 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 But I guess they got a lot of sex workers off their platform. That was what they intended. That's so dumb. Sex workers rule. Sex workers generate a lot of money. <laughs> as well. Like, like advertising dollars and so the on. Sex workers real work, motherfucker. <sighs> it's hundred percent is. Coal miner, massage therapist, sex worker. You tell me what the fucking difference is. Um there's less lube in mining. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there? Um a thing that I like to say really casually all the time is just rub some butter on it. <laughs> Like, anytime something's going wrong, just, like, rub some butter on it. And um, a friend was doing, like, safety-related work on a ship in another country. Yeah. 
And um, I'd been saying this thing for years, just rub some butter on it. And he messaged me because something had happened on the ship where something, it's like a technical thing. I don't have great language to describe what was going on in these images that were sent to me, but it was like a thing that needed to go into another thing wasn't working out. They couldn't get the thing and the other thing. Yeah. And he remembered me saying, just rub some butter on it all the time. And so they put some fucking butter on it. And then it happened. Aww. And it saved the day. And I was the hero dog. And I was in the newspaper. Oh, wow. Hooray. <laughs> it wasn't quite like that. I've editorialized this. But you were a hero. Uh, I was a hero. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Incredible. Because of your lube knowledge. <laughs> Your improvised lube knowledge. <laughs> Just rub some butter on it. <laughs> Before the butter thing, it was a little less cute. I used to say, "Just spit on it." All oh, the time. It was a little less cute. It was a little crude. Mm. Yeah, I just wanted to take it up a notch, class it up. Okay, their friends didn't come from the internet and use fake names. Rude. So, mm. so Bishop laid into Matt. That was her real name. This is who she really is, and he was insulting her by calling her anything but the right <laughs> bishop. Whatever. Yeah. A sweet. Uh, what did we say? It was like sass. Studio. Sussu studio. Sussu studio. The right bishop. Sussu studio. Tim said, "I'd like you to try that shit at passport control." <laughs> That's different. Because yeah, the government's so cool. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait a second. Yes, because the government is so cool. And she says, "That's different. That's not part of my world. That's my travel into my world." Uh, okay. So we've lost some strange logic here. Enough, said Matt. You have until 10pm. After that, I'm calling the cops and throwing everyone out. But shut up, Tim said. That's more than gracious. I'd throw all of you out now. Uh, then you s- we, then- call, we call that uh, self-eviction. Okay. And I thought that I was like, self-eviction? Shouldn't that be when the person evicts themselves? But that's when the landlord evicts you without the assistance of the court or the oh. police. Oh, okay. It's like, I feel like it should be like DIY eviction. <laughs> Bespoke eviction. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a fancy eviction. Ooh, do you think that's mm. better? It was bespoke. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So then right. Bishop says, all right, then you guys need to go away. This is a religious right. <laughs> it's my fucking house. I'm going to watch TV, Matt said, and he walked towards the house. Uh, my religious right is watching TV. Mm. My religious right is smashing a bunch of acid on the weekend. <laughs> Bishop grabbed his shirt. Mm. And he's great. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, oh my yes, God, she did. shirt fronted him like bloody Putin. You will disturb this astral something. I, I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she did use the word astral. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, she said that if we unbelievers interrupted their ceremony, there would be problems. Are they just appropriating religious type? sounding things in order to protect themselves under um probably and discrimination law well i mean uh, she was if so she was representing genius this, move <laughs> she was representing this as a religion through her website right and that's why people were giving her donations and stuff this is a real fucking um scientology move here this oh, is okay. like some hobbard shit <laughs> so then matt's like take your hands off me before i call the cops no, no, me touching you right now is a religious right. <laughs> Wrong religion. This isn't, they're not Catholics. <laughs> this is religion, baby. Sarah starts crying. The rest of us just walk into the house. Now, the others had seen her setting up this shit. 
but I had just got home. Sarah had darkened the family room by hanging blankets over the windows. She'd also put a bunch of candles out and turned the coffee tables into some kind of altar. It had a white cloth, candles, books, and an expensive sin- silver candlesticks from the dining room. It sounds hot as shit. I can promise that she did not have permission to touch those. <laughs> they are over 100 years old and a family heirloom. <laughs> <laughs> all we right. all walked into the family room and saw the soul bond freaks in there some were dressed in cosplay outfits the boyfriend was there too he asked where sarah was dan said we just gave her a verbal lashing she's outside go deal with her matt took the candlesticks from the altar and put them away despite the protests of another one of these people then we sat down in the family room that they had commandeered and tim turned off the r word game and put <coughs> on a movie one of the people said i thought we were going to play the game you're not. You guys came out here by 10 p. You guys are out of here by 10 p.m. or we're calling the cops. Could we have the room until then? Another one asked. Nope, we pay rent so we can use this house. I was told I could sleep here, some girl said. Well, you can't. Aww. She seemed genuinely scared. Aww. Where can I go? A hotel would be a good idea, I said. <gasps> I don't have money for a hotel. Well, she clearly doesn't. This, this is harsh. You guys send Sarah money, right? I'm sure she is enough. The group of them just sort of cowered until Bishop returned. We are being persecuted for our beliefs by these people. You have the room until 10 p.m., Matt said. We'll be in the kitchen. We all followed Matt out. Tim said we shouldn't give in, and Matt said, I want to see the ritual. This is really just like a throwback to, the, like, an earlier episode where we're talking about, like, performing your ethics. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I feel like... I feel like these dudes would be better served by, like, being just having a little bit more impulse control and flattening out the narrative mm. and avoiding muddying the waters here by acting like dicks. Like, you have a choice where if you, if you really want to fuck up the other party, you lock your shit down mm. and you do not take a misstep. Like, you want to be golden. You're thinking about... You know, like, every time you write a message, it's like you imagine it being read out by... Like, you imagine it being read out in court. I don't do that. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I do a lot of that. Uh, I realise you have a different perspective and insight on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not someone who plays the long game quite like that. Oh, yeah. And so, like, this uh, long game sensibility makes me feel kind of (laughs) evil. But, like, these idiots, there's, like, all of these opportunities where they could just not be dicks about this stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. And get her out quicker. Also, how much is this him framing it to be funny? How much is this him framing it for the best to make him look good, to make the story entertaining? He's doing it for likes and follows. 100%. Like, he's got all these people begging for posts. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Is any of it real? We shall see. Oh, my God. Um, Are there pictures in the story? Uh, there's a couple of pictures. Okay, sweet. I'll show you at the end. All right, sweet. So we all followed Matt out. Tim said we should give in, and Matt said, I want to see this ritual. Hot. We watched from the dining room where we ate pizza. <laughs> Boyfriend asked us to go somewhere else because they didn't want us watching, and Matt told him to shut the fuck up and added, you have 43 minutes. Sarah came downstairs dressed in a white dress. She kept glancing us, glancing at us. Bishop stood between her and us so she couldn't see us, I guess. And she began talking. She talked about how this was Betty's awakening and how Betty, Betty, 
All right. And how Betty was now going to finally realise her potential by harnessing the soul of a video game character. Okay. I couldn't stand it. I started cracking up. The rest of the housemates started cracking up. Sarah started screaming at all of us and calling us racists. Now, I don't know how being a soul bonder is a race, but okay. Then we were called Nazis. Oh, that's lovely. I guess if you're sane and don't believe that you're a video game character slash dragon slash wart on someone's rear end, now you're a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) My first sonar is a wart on someone's ass. (laughs) You know, I I can see how somebody would be into that. I'm not, I'm not into that, but... If you're really submissive, you're just a wart on my ass. Yeah. That's all you are. I don't have to think about anything. I just, like, roll around on your ass all day. You have to just run and make sure you sit down. You're you somewhere sit for me, on me. So I can always sit on you whenever I sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I need to make this a fetish and then make a lot of money from it. <laughs> <laughs> you hire out your ass for other people to be warts on. And it's going to be really uncomfortable because I'm fat. <laughs> no, that just means that you've got more room for more warts. Oh. Equals more money. Yeah. More money. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay, he says... This was better than any kind of TV you can imagine. See if you can picture all these nutjobs kneeling around the altar as their video game played its music in the background. I don't know. Kobe Your Enthusiasm was pretty good. <laughs> Sarah stood over them, preaching this religion, and the right bishop something would occasionally interject something deep from her position. Sarah was really getting upset, so more of her friends made the human wall. We could still hear all the stupid, even after they turned up the volume on the video game. Five minutes before the time was up, Matt shouted, Calling the cops in five! You are being disrespectful, one of them said. A few bits of profanity were thrown back and forth, and then one of the guys in the group threw a punch at Tim. Bad move, dude. Matt called the cops. They showed up 20 minutes later, and Matt said... 20 minutes? Yeah. That's great. Isn't this What a response time. Mm. Mm. So Matt says, I want all these losers out of my house. Tim pressed assault charges on the rear end in a top hat who tried to punch him. (laughs) Of course there was a top hat. (laughs) Boyfriend complained to the cops that we were persecuting Sarah, who had now retreated to her room. Bishop had run up there. Matt said, there's one upstairs that doesn't live here. Get rid of her too. The cops went up and told Bishop she had to leave. Bishop threw a fit. Sarah threw a fit. She was entitled to guest. She was entitled to practice her faith in peace. The cops said Sarah could stay since she was a tenant, but everybody else had to go. Boyfriend said he found hotel rooms nearby. They packed up their altar and crap and headed there. Some um, Time to pack up my altar. <laughs> Bishop escorted Sarah, holding her like a fragile doll. Something... Oh, sorry. Bishop had the balls to ask us to help shuttle everyone to the hotel. Ha, huh, I don't think so. The one that was arrested for assault left with the cops. He eventually pled no contest to the assault and got a fine. We thought after that she wouldn't want to stay, but oh, she did. She also filed. Yeah, man, it's cheap rent in an amazing house. Yeah, to drive everyone else out. She also filed a frivolous small claims lawsuit on the basis that we had stolen her candles oh. and time. Yes, and we time. stole her time. Time. All right. I like guess time the herb. Oh. 
Um, so the candles we stole were the ones that were in Matt's candlestick when he put them back. <laughs> oh, my God. But we did steal the candles. He brought them to court and then he gave them back to her in front of the judge. That's one way to do that. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't seen that with candles, but... I've, it's very yeah. Judge Judy. Sometimes stuff like that. Sometimes it'll be like the tenant with the keys <laughs> to the property at the court. Well, at the tribunal in yeah. Queensland. Okay, so she remained. And she would continue to be a pain in the ass. A final note before I get going. Why would someone want to continue to live in a place where they were obviously not welcome? Cost? Cheap rent. Cheap rent. Uh, No, not for Sarah. Sarah claimed she felt close to her soul bond in our house. She claimed that it felt like a house that this guy would live in and that her soul was at ease in our home. Um, So it's a nice house. It's a very fancy house. Okay, so this is Carrie again. All right. I thought you might like some stories about Sarah at work. I got these from our former housemate, Becky, who worked in the same place. Oh, man. Becky was a great roommate. She and I shared our bathroom and hallway for about two years, and we were very good friends. Everyone in the house was and now is good friends, but we were especially close maybe because we were the only women in the house of guys. Um, Someone left a comment that they didn't think our house is safe because it's too cheap. Well, it is safe. The house is about 100 years old and it was paid for long ago. Matt doesn't have a mortgage, so all the money from our rent goes towards maintenance and paying the lawn service and stuff like that. Matt could afford to live here without tenants, but chooses not to because he likes having people around. Okay, I think I said that at the beginning. Mm. Becky didn't work at the same department as Sarah, but after about a month, everyone in the building knew her. She had a big victim complex and didn't try to make friends. She made a lot of problems. One of those problems was her desk. Sarah worked in a cubicle. She didn't like having her back to whoever walked in, like all the other cubes were arranged. So she moved her computer so that she was facing whoever walked into her cube. She did this without asking. This is not inconsistent with PTSD at all. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. She did this without asking the boss, and it really ticked her off. Who the fuck cares if somebody rearranges the furniture? I mean, this does seem like I'm just petty. defensive because I rearranged some furniture <laughs> at work recently. This seems like the kind of petty thing that people manage. Already roles. decided we've hated her, yeah. so let's figure out what we don't like about what she did. While the boss John wasn't a bad guy, <laughs> Becky said he liked to walk by and make sure people were doing their jobs and not playing on the round on the internet because that was one of his pet peeves. Um, so this. By Sarah moving uh, the computer around. Playing around on the internet at work is self-care. Mm. It keeps me sustainable in my role. Um, so, obviously, they're implying here that Sarah has done this so that she can fuck around on the internet without being monitored. Blah, blah, blah. The next thing she did was decorate her cube. The company yes. doesn't have a policy about decorations, just that they can't distract anyone else or violate fire codes. Sarah bought in tie-dye scarves and put them over the lights. The guy from safety said they had to go because they violated the fire codes. Sarah said they were religious symbols and that she was being (laughs) violated by being asked to take them down. Um, I just have memes up on the wall. Um, I got, like, um, you know the one where it says, I'm not like other girls, I'm worse. Oh, boy. And then I've got um, that screenshot from um, Eric Andre's show where it's Hannibal Buress saying, why are you booing me? I'm I'm right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's me. Did you know Hannibal Buress is a a landlord? (gasps) He's a real dick about it, too. Oh, no. Oh, I had such a boner for him. I'm sorry. 
Everyone is cancelled. Everybody's cancelled, including... Oh, if I'm cancelled too... Yeah. I can still fuck Hannibal Buress. <laughs> I guess so. I hope he listens to this podcast. I hope he doesn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I outed him as a shitty landlord. Just at me, Hannibal. It's chill. Okay. I'll forgive. <laughs> Just come over and I'll educate you on tenants' rights. The safety guy writes her up for refusing to adhere to safety codes, and Sarah tried to fight it with HR, and that dragged on for a few weeks. But they basically told her she didn't have a case. Uh, after that, HR changed the rules, and no cube decorations were allowed, including holiday decorations. Whoa. So that huge. would have pissed everybody off. Only Everyone. family photographs allowed. Not even anything for Kwanzaa? Apparently not. Whoa. Uh, when Sarah was supposed to attend some kind of lunch and train, that's what they called them at my place of employment, but I can't remember what Becky called it. Basically, you go and they give you lunch and you do some training. Uh, the people putting it together send emails around asking what people wanted for lunch, and Becky said the options were typical ham and cheese, chicken salad, vegetarian slash vegan, and kosher. Sarah selected vegan. When the day of the lunch train thing happened, Sarah threw a fit in front of everyone. Becky said there were some really big cheese guys there that were aghast at this behaviour from a lowly tester. Mm. Sarah was complaining that vegetarians eat more than salads and it was a personal attack on her to just give her a salad for lunch. I went to somebody else's uh, corporate Christmas party. I went as a plus one. Yeah. And um, they folded in the vegans and the vegetarians and the gluten-free people. Yeah. And it was like zoodles, the zucchini noodles with some kind of pesto. Yeah. And I was ready to be pissed off. But it was good? It was so fucking delicious. Fuck me. It was so good. Zoodles, I like them. They're a real pain in the ass to prepare. But if you've got a good... If someone else is going to make me a zoodle, I'll get down on a zoodle. I just don't like how wet they can be. These were not wet. These were amazing. Oh, yeah. Dang. I was really angry about not being able to be angry. <laughs> it was so good. And also it was like an open bar. Oh, fuck yeah. That probably helped your enjoyment somewhat. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. So she has a, sh- a shit fit about having to eat salad. <laughs> Somebody get the girl a falafel. Somebody should have made an Alison Roman's viral soup. Oh, stop talking about that fucking soup. I love it. Have I made it for you? <laughs> no. Do you want me to make it for you? Maybe. Okay. Um, okay, so Carrie goes on to say, at my company, I give you a few choices, but you don't expect them to be a five-star dining experience. It's just supposed to be free food. Another thing she did was fall asleep at her desk at work. Becky said John was having an awful time with her about it. The first time John woke her up and asked if she was okay, thinking maybe she had passed out. She whined about her PTSD and depression and ADHD and OCD and asperges and all this other crap she claimed to have affecting her at once. Since she played the disability card, now John was stuck with trying to accommodate her and she knew it. Oh, this is this is a very this is very ableist. <laughs> Oh. I'm sure this kind of got et up by the crowd who was reading this, though, going, yeah, yeah sure. this fucking yeah. faking shithead. Now that it was established that she was disabled, she told John she wanted different hours and he had to comply. She said that having to be there at 8 was too early, so he moved her to a 9am start. 
Then she said she felt cramped in her desk, so he got her a big cube. She said she got tired at 2pm, so she started taking naps in the lounge. She said the noise from the office was distracting her, so she got to wear her iPod while she worked. This all seems... This all seems fucking great. Pretty reasonable. This all seems the things that I would like, thanks. Um, uh, I started at 9.45 today. Mm-hmm. I took 105 minutes of lunch. Did you have a nap? No, I went to the dentist. Man, I want a nap. <laughs> um, I don't have a sensi- sensory sensitivity issue, so i got nothing to say there. Yeah. I do get under-stimulated. And somebody... <laughs> Somebody in my position ordinarily has an office of their own. Yeah. They put me in one for a while, but I got very sad. Oh, no. And sort of, like, a bit depressed and understimulated. You need more people. I was accommodated by being allowed to sit out in a bullpen <laughs> with everybody else. That's very nice. Yeah. I'm a nice workplace. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So that was Carrie's story about how she was at work. Carrie sounds like a bit of a dick. Yeah, don't you reckon Carrie sounds like the same kind of a dick that Pete sounds like? <gasps> oh, oh my god! god. Anyway. Mm. Uh, yes. This one is from Tim, who was the, the one who was more outspoken than a Tim is really Pete. Yeah. I've been watching Carrie fill in for Pete and figured I'd give this a try. My name is Tim. I use dirty language, and some of this has sexual references. Get fucked, Tim. You're just bad, Pete. Oh, I made Pete. Okay, so the next post I'm going to skip because there's a lot of really homophobic and transphobic kind of stuff in there, and the story is kind of inconsequential anyway. Basically, Tim was a dick to Sarah and Sarah's friends, which, you know... We've already had. Yeah, we totally. The next post is also from Carrie, also telling stories about Sarah at work. Just that, you know, kind of she was shitty at work and she pissed people off. Yeah, so she shitty at work. She brought Bishop to work at some point. There was drama. Bold move. At some point between Sarah getting the job and getting fired in November, they blocked her Gmail and whatever blog site she was using. So she got mad and went to her boss and said she needed access to those things for work-related reasons. And he said, talk to IT. So Becky is one of those people that Sarah had to talk to about her problem. Becky said the company had decided to block both sites with good reason and that social networking had no place in the office. Sarah got irate uh, because didn't Becky know that this wasn't a social thing, this is her religion? And Becky said, sorry, I can't do it. Then Sarah filed a discriminatory complaint against Becky and also accused her of talking down to her, and that was unfair to someone with a disability. Uh, I just want to sidebar and say that I worked for, like, straight up a private legal firm, Mm. like an actual legal firm, where Yellow Pages was blocked on... (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? I was paralegal, and part of my duties were um, firm debt recovery, which is, like, where people owe money to the firm and you, like, try to track the motherfucker down so you can, like, recover the debts and stuff. Um, And so Yellow Pages would have really helped me out to find people. (laughs) Why did they block Yellow Pages? Um, I kept on, like, interacting with the person who was in charge of the IT stuff to say, like, uh, I I actually sort of need access to yellow pages to find these people who owe the money for who owe the firm money mm. so that I can um, chase them up and I would get access to it for one day and then somebody else would like shut it down why oh actually a photo of um 
a photo came up in my Facebook memories um, like last night or today or something which was to do with my work at this firm. Um, so I wish to find that for you right now. Okay. Um, and I will. Um, I just, I can't understand what from the yellow pages is objectionable or not work-related enough for them to block it. Yeah, me neither. Like, Couldn't tell you. I guess you could look up sex phone line numbers. Yeah, maybe. You could also that just what Google into. that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, mate. <laughs> Uh, gentle listener, it's a vacant engaged sign on a door because I worked at a legal firm where my office was a converted toilet. <laughs> this I, Is this the origin of your obsession with toilets? I'm not entirely sure that it is. <laughs> um, my obsession with toilets, I don't know where that started. Childhood. Um, it does was, seem fitting that they put you in a toilet. I was very averse to toilets when I was younger. Yes, we did. I think we did talk about that previously yeah. in yeah, the pee pee poo poo episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I'm fine now. It's all chill. I can go to the toilet now without experiencing distress, <laughs> which is great for me. I want that for everyone. Yeah, I want that for everyone too. <laughs> Good. All right. This podcast is a force of um, good in the universe now. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And if people need pee bottles, then they're welcome to them. <laughs> I just don't want to know about it. Somebody messaged me to, like, express, I think, a level of compassion and concern for the pee bottles guy and to talk about the fact that um, they had lived with somebody who had, like, a bit of a pee bottle situation Ooh. and that for that person it probably related to, like, control. Oh. And familiar environments. Okay. So it was necessary for them to keep pee bottles in their room. And I was like, you know, I, I think I've spent a lot of time thinking about the pee bottles. Yeah. As we all have, I think. <laughs> Who I've definitely us reflected on it more intensely while editing the episode and since. Yeah. Um, that I was quite flippant about it. Look, having listened back to the episode, I would say that I don't think we were offensively so. No. And it's difficult to reach, uh, like, a nice point in between, like, not being too flip and also not pathologizing somebody else's behavior um, yeah. non-consensually. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a difficult line for us to walk as people who I, I think broadly are wishing to be ethical persons, but are also wishing to produce a cringe content fucking <laughs> podcast. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> we're fucked cunts, mate. <laughs> like, Whatever, I'm having fun. <laughs> Whatever, I'm having Whatever, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. fun. <laughs> little, little baby. Is that what I sound like? No, I just like <laughs> making noises like that. <laughs> okay. Right, I'm going to get back into this wing, wing. epic story. Yeah, um, get him. All right. So, yes, she, compl- she claimed disability and discrimination against <sighs> Becky. Um, and poor Becky was very upset about having those things levelled against her. Um, so as this was being posted, people started to go, hey, Carrie sounds a lot like Pete in the writing style. Tim also sounds a lot like Pete, but, like, a bit sassier. Um, I'm the bad Pete. Also, some of this doesn't seem to add up. Like, 
why isn't this guy charging more rent? Um, various things about it. Oh, my God. Like, Pete was mad all along. <laughs> is this true? Trying to track it down. They were presenting, like, blogs and, like, going, "Is we think this is her. And he, in his post, was like, I'm not going to confirm or deny. Oh, my God. It. That means it's her. Um, so there was a lot of internet detectiveness going on. Oh, my goodness. A lot of sleuthing. S- sleuthing. So it was mostly after the, the housemates in inverted commas, started weighing in, that people started to get suspicious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of fighting about it in the comments. So after that, because there was all this fighting in the comments, the mod of Housemate Horror Uh decided to weigh in with the post, saying, Mm -hmm. Tim, Pete and Carrie, a.k.a. the people posting from the account Dragon Tiger Claw, that's the name that Mm -hmm, Pete mm -hmm. was posting under, about the Sarah saga, may be, as they say they are, different housemates of Sarah, or they may be the one person doing a little creative writing experiment. Basically, I don't give a crap. The posts have been amusing and entertaining, and anyone who doesn't think so is not being forced to read them, so please do not complain. (laughs) Jog on. Uh Uh-huh. They also make note of a troll post. It has been brought to my attention that a post was made by someone who is claiming to know Sarah, and that the posts made DTC, Pete, were false and harassing. This same person sent me an email before they made that post requesting IP address information on the poster of the Sarah stories in order to catch the culprit making these false and harassing posts. I declined as I do not think giving out people's identifying information such as IP addresses on members of my community without their permission is really a good thing to do. It's not chill. Also, I have no proof that this person is really representing Sarah or that the posts made about her are false. I have no proof that they are true either. But until I get proof either way, I think the best thing is to not take any drastic actions. They requested I not tell DTC about them contacting me and I intended not to simply because it was the most neutral action to take. But then they made the public post and made their intentions public. So I feel fine telling you about it now. So this story, something awful got hold of it and added it to the forums and people started following the forums and more internet detective work happened. And then this guy posts in the thread saying mm-hmm. his name is like Jagerhunda or Jagerhunda. I haven't read through the journals. I only started the first, but I swear this could be about a girl I knew and even once dated in that really vague, sad high school nerd kind of way. Oh. She claimed that she was soul bonded to the heiress character from Final Fantasy VII, <gasps> that her girlfriend was soul bonded to Sephiroth, and she swore at one point with perfect seriousness that she was carrying Sephiroth's spirit child. Apparently, she conducted an elaborate fantasy life with these characters in her head and had written pages upon pages of god-awful fan fiction about it. So far as I know... Hot. So far Just as... Just kidding. What, sorry, what was that? I said hot. Hot. What hot. else could... Get, the, and the, again, this is just me projecting. What could compel anybody to write pages upon pages of fanfic unless it was, like, super hot fanfic? I know it seems difficult for you to imagine people with intentions that are non-sexual, but they do exist. It's very <laughs> difficult for me to imagine that. It's true, they do. Some people are even asexual. I accept. Mm-hmm. The existence and validity of asexual people, mm-hmm. I just can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Saws. So far as I knew, she grew out of it eventually. But when I say eventually, I mean like late 20s. Even when I knew her at 16, this kind of behavior from her made me want to stay as far the fuck away as I could. But instead, I dated her. <laughs> 
Uh, edit, oh yeah, the girl in question also changed her name to some bullshit nerd fantasy name she made up and absolutely refused to ever be addressed by her birth name. Okay. Poor people by their name. So then he reads more of it. Guys, I think I figured it out. I'd like to introduce you to Catherine Rain. <gasps> and I have some pictures. But she's different to the other one, right? So this is Catherine Rain. Okay. He'd been in a writing group with her, and so he knew her live journal, her Flickr, and her DeviantArt accounts. Yep. And then they found, connected to Catherine Rain's Flickr account, someone com- cosplaying as Sasserai, which we mentioned before, Bishop. Yeah. Bishop Sasserai. Okay. Uh, lots of pics of them both and together, and one credited her as Catherine Silverbird. Silverbird is a surname of a bunch of the characters in Suikoden. Another mm. posed cosplay photo of Catherine in a long white dress, like the long white dress mentioned in the Soul Party part of the Sarah saga. He also found the paperwork of her name change. Okay. Because he found the court schedule for the day she legally changed it to Catherine. Okay. The internet detectives found the website that was the home base of the religion, and someone found a copy of the pamphlets they handed out at cons. Have you heard the good news about the true runes? But it's worth noting at the end, it tells you to contact Bishop Sasserai at sasserai at holyharmonia.com. So these things are lending some credence to the story. So are the pictures of Bishop? Those are pictures of Catherine. I do have a picture. Okay, so that's like the same girl as before. Mm-hmm, that's the Catherine girl. And is is this Bishop, do we think, or is this no, Sarah? This, I think this is Sarah. Okay. And then this is the girl. But not the same person as um, Final Fantasy House. No. Because I don't. that doesn't look like the... That's not Jen. Yeah. There is a photo of Bishop. Yeah, she works for me as Bishop. (laughs) (laughs) I had this idea of everybody else at the house being a little bit older than these guys, maybe because Mm. of the professions people have or the idea that this person owns the house, but that doesn't necessarily have to be true because I was fucking 24 in my first lawyer job. And, like, cats can own houses. (laughs) Also, I've learned from The Simpsons. People can inherit them. Yeah, totally. You know, it's an inheritance situation, yeah. so they can inherit them quite young. So, yeah. Pa- have I shown you the pamphlet? Uh, I mean, top marks for apostrophe usage. <laughs> so these are being handed out at cons. So I'm picking up that these guys are also into runes. Mm. All right, whatever. Just, like, get into tarot cards instead. They're flatter. <laughs> Which is obviously something I value. Yeah, because I'm like... They're prettier than runes. Replace this weird thing with this other weird thing. That I like more. Yes. Come on. Showing you some photos. I will put all of them in the show notes, which are on... Will be on... On. OnlineMolePatrol.com. So, this guy posting about Catherine, people point him to the Final Fantasy House story and go, there was a girl called Ares. Yeah. Go check this out. He goes and checks it out. He also reads more of the story. And he he comes back and says he's sure that Catherine was involved with Jen and Hojo and that lot and that she was Aerith. And he also thinks she's the person who wrote to Zack slash Jack's website under the name Candy Wrapper. Because if you read Candy Wrapper's post, it's directed towards Jen and it's a big bitch about her. <laughs> Um, I have brought that up. I think I mentioned it in the previous episode, 
but just in case, yeah. um, let's read out some bits of it. Genova, when I became your apprentice, you told me to shut up and not argue with you. Apparently a sorceress is supposed to be a creature who blindly accepts the opinions of authorities, even when she firmly believes that they are wrong. From this, I learned that when Jen says something I disagree with, I need to nod and make agreeing sounds anyway. Otherwise, we would have to fight every two minutes. And quite frankly, what I thought wasn't worth the hassle. Uh, And then she sort of lists bullet points of various things. You do not look like any Final Fantasy characters. You look like Jennifer Cornett. End of story. So that's how we find out Jen's real name. <laughs> oh. I, for that matter, look nothing like Yuna. Yuna looks Asian. You you have no money because you keep spending it on things you want. It's a big, long complaint. And remember, Eris is the one who got put in the ice bath. Oh. Stuff. So she isn't necessarily having a nice time. No. She And, like, I was kind of quite sympathetic towards her, but it appears this might be the same person. Catherine also, during the events of the Final Fantasy House, went to a college that was only a couple of hours' drive away from the Final Fantasy House college. And Eris was someone who sort of came in and out. So that kind of fits fits the timeline and fits the location and fits the story. A lot of things lining up. Uh, So people start looking. There's, like, renewed interest back in the Final Fantasy House story because it had been a few years since... That had unraveled. Yeah. And then the Final Fantasy guy updates the site, which had been dormant for a while, mm-hmm. saying that the two stories weren't connected. Mm-hmm. And then the guy on something awful updates the same day, saying, that's bullshit. It's obviously bullshit. And that Catherine and her friends had been getting very litigious. And he thinks that the Final Fantasy guy was trying to cover his tracks for legal reasons. Okay. So then he posts, for legal purposes, I can neither confirm nor deny that this is, is exactly what is happening. It would be irresponsible for me to say that Catherine and her friends have their collective panties in a wad about the housemate horror thing and have been pressuring the author to recant, so I won't. I'd like to add that it's possible that the housemate horror author is a very elaborate troll, but even if he is, this is clearly someone who knows Catherine, and if it's her, of course. And while I'm willing to entertain the idea that some of the particulars might be fabricated, the fact that anybody, you know, like maybe Catherine, has possibly gotten so defensive about the series of stories, which even uses false names, says much about that person. So then the Final Fantasy guy, Seven Guy, updates again, and he says... Well, what do you know? When something awful found Catherine Rain, things really heated up. The original writer of the Sarah saga got regular harassment until he took his story down. Considering the mind-numbing level of consistent details between Catherine's data and the data on Sarah, I'm going to agree with the goons. The OP was just doing damage control. It's obviously her. The current theory is, in one last-ditch effort to avoid more court battles with her, he deleted all the posts. Well, Catherine, you stepped in it. You took away my train wreck that I was reading to defend your crazy cult. If he was writing fiction or not, you took away the fun. Thanks to something awful, we'll have lots of nice photos and links all here about you just in case. So that's still up on the Final Fantasy side. Uh, And I believe that's all the resolution we have. So Sarah is Catherine. The threats of lawsuits seem to have shut down any further stories coming out Mm -hmm. uh, and also removed a lot of this stuff from the web. Though there is mirrors of mirrors of mirrors, as I said. Um, but we've got a suggestion at the front end that they do shift her out of the house at some point. Yeah, she does get kicked out. There is one extra post. I mean, like, ultimately you can resist eviction for a certain amount of time, but at some point <laughs> you're going to end up out. <laughs> it's just um, how it goes, I think, in practical terms. 
quit messaging me and telling me you know Sarah or you are Bishop and I butt hurt you or your soul bonder and this is bad press for your subculture. I don't think so and I don't give a shit. After the soul party, we thought we got rid of the friends and Bishop for good, but then Bishop showed up about two months later for another visit. Matt threatened to start charging her rent. He also asked Sarah to leave quietly so they wouldn't have to go to court. She refused. Her soul bond was content in this house. The rest of us went to a park together that Saturday. When we came home, the boyfriend was there and was screaming at Sarah and Bishop. Boyfriend caught the two of them having sex. Oh. He wasn't supposed to be there for another hour, but was early and walked in on them. Matt told them to take their shit outside because it was all screaming. Sarah was crying and saying she didn't mean to, that her soul bond took over and made her screw Bishop's soul bond. (laughs) Bishop said that sounded like her soul bond was a racist, and on and on and on. That went on for an hour, but at least they took it to the carriage house. The boyfriend left after that, and Sarah and Bishop came inside. They said they had to kill Bishop's soul bond for raping Sarah's soul bond, but he would be replaced with the Bishop's twin. It seems like um, very elaborate stuff to avoid dealing with the fact that anybody's queer. Yeah. Sarah said the twin was evil. Bishop said the twin could be nurtured. Imagine that conversation going on for an hour. Tim had some colourful words for the scene, but I'm not sure they're PC, so I won't publish them here. I don't know if they killed the soul bond or not, or and if they did, how they did it. A few days later, Bishop left, but Sarah got a call from her. Bishop had been arrested upon landing in her country of origin. Sarah asked him to help her out, and he said, I'm not licensed there, and I wouldn't do shit for you anyway. Bishop wasn't just sponging off her country of origin. She was a scam artist, like those kind that call elderly people and promise them lottery winnings. That was her day job. I don't know what kind of scam she was running, but it was pretty bad. And she obviously got caught. Sarah continued to live with us up until... Landlord slash tenant court. Um, fuck. So there's definitely posts missing. This is what I've got. Yeah. So obviously the stories about tenant court are missing and stuff, but this is the resolution that I have. And the other thing, the first house birthed the second house. Yeah. I kind of love and hate that connection. And we don't know. It's definitely true. We don't know any of this is true, of course, but it's a good story. Totally. It's a fun read. Fuck. I've been talking about it for fucking two hours. Yeah, go on. <laughs> the other thing is that um, there is a theory. There is someone who is active in the Fannibal community. Do you know about Fannibals? No. Do you know about Hannibal, the TV show? No, I know it's a TV show. With Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen? Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, really good. I really enjoy Hannibal. I heard some sexy stuff goes down. It's fucking great. But the fandom around it is pretty hardcore. Okay. And they call themselves Fannibals. Okay. Because they're fans of Hannibal. Okay. Uh, the In the Fannibal community, there is someone who seems pretty awful. And there is a website about this person um, and their complaints about them, things they've done, evidence, and how they think that this person in the Fannibal community is Genova. Oh, no. So Genova could have carried on her habits just in a new community. Up to her old tricks. No idea about Sarah. Don't know what's happened since with her since then, but, um, yeah. These people are still around because I think they're 
people who still exist. Real yeah. people. Yeah. Who continue to it's not like you get it just stop being like that all of a sudden mm. or stop having an interest in being like that all of a sudden it's going to continue yeah and it's kind of worked out well for them in fits and starts yeah for sure mm. i mean disruptive in some respects but working for them in others mm. got a lot of power Genova was getting money from people she had a good. People were bringing her meat and Gatorade every day. Yeah, I wish somebody would bring me meat and Gatorade every day. <laughs> Fuck. So, kids, maybe don't soul bond with video game characters. Yeah, look, if you can avoid it, you know, maybe not. God. <laughs> Who are you going to soul bond with? Um, mm, good question. Anthony Green. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cool, sweet. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know who I would solve. you got no options. I'm just very appreciative of Anthony Green today. Um, and For any listeners who are un-Australian, Anthony Green is a... Oh, there's a special term for what he does, isn't there? But he's incredibly good at delivering information, dense uh, statistical information in an accessible way, and also being very unbiased, being very balanced about it. Good reputation. Yeah. The, the term is a cephologist. Cephologist. P-S-E-P-H-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Right. So that's the whole saga. And how Final Fantasy connects to Sarah Saga. That's the end. Do we have any thoughts? Do Have we have we learned anything today? So I've never felt like... Yeah, I've never experienced a feeling of being particularly connected to a fictional mm. character, I think. Yeah. If I think of a fictional character that I feel any sort of affinity to, it's probably like Homer. (laughs) (laughs) I think I wanted to say that I really, I really enjoyed like the local lore of your dad offering to us the idea of like this person who had this amazing job for council where they were in charge of dead dogs. Like I loved that as an idea. And so when a friend of ours got in touch with you Mm. and said that, their sister had been the dead dog person at the council for a period of time. (laughs) I was like, we absolutely need to interview this person. So yeah, when there was the possibility of interviewing this person who had done the dead dog job, I was like, this is... Dead dog duty. Dead dog duty. I was like, this is real media. Like, I don't know. It just felt like a beautiful and perfect looping back. I was just so... Because we kind of reached out into the void and then when we pulled our hand back, we had something in it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm so excited to share this interview <laughs> with everybody. And I feel like I want to be upfront that I just like, you know, rolled out of work and rolled into the pub and wrote up the questions while I was waiting for Hack Lock. <laughs> but like, I think that's the level of preparedness that, that this podcast needs what do you what else do you do (laughs) (laughs) and i mean the other thing is that the the interview sort of touches on like the question of what does work mean to you and Mm. what is a good life and those are questions that i really enjoy exploring with people on the regular yeah um so happy that we got to interview katie about her dead dog duties (laughs) 
Yay. Hooray. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> so I have a date tonight, so I have no time for rapport building. And I wonder if you would be open to agreeing that we have rapport, but you're certainly under no obligation. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100% rapport. I'm really glad Love to it. hear it. Great. Yeah. And I wanted to say thank you so much. You know, now that that rapport building is out of the way, I wanted to thank you so sincerely for agreeing to this interview. And I'm so excited to speak with you about when you were responsible for dead dogs. So please let me thank you again. I can't believe that I have the opportunity to discuss it in such a serious way format it's this is truly an honor to be here well i mean uh what's that award that you get for amazing journalism is that like a walkerly or something <laughs> something like that oh my maybe, god maybe my we'll time. get one of those <laughs> maybe we'll get one of those um <laughs> so <laughs> i wanted to ask uh just to begin with uh when did you start being the dead dog lady may i call you the dead dog lady that's totally fine. My official job title that I called it was Dead Dog Data Entry, so Dead Dog Lady is also fine. Um, <laughs> I did it. It was just prior. It was in a, a last scrap effort for me to get a job to get some cash to then move to Sydney. So mm-hmm. it was the end of 2007. So I reckon it was about probably no more than a couple of months, maybe three months tops. I just have, I had so many jobs when I was young that I I can't keep on top of them, but I reckon it was about three months from like mid-2007. Look, this is a little bit off track, but you mentioned the year 2007 and I feel compelled to ask, was 2007 your hot year or was it only my hot year? As in looking hot? Like a year when you're just really fucking banging, like you're just doing a great job of being really hot. No, polar opposite. Oh, really? <laughs> I was moving to Sydney to run away from like a lot of demons. Ooh. So that was <laughs> the other way around. But then post that, best decision I ever made. So okay, it great. was the start of a, of my current hot life. It's not the case that you only get one hot year. Like I've certainly had multiple yeah. hot years myself. So I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying a, a number of hot years in a row. Thank you. Yeah, every year just gets hotter and better. You're not a Capricorn as well, are you? No, I'm a Scorpio. My birthday's next week. Oh, my God. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, dead dog lady. Um, (laughs) So what was involved in being uh, in doing dead dog data entry? I don't know if there's like a realistic job preview or like a day in the life. Yeah, I can't even remember. It was just a temp job at the local council um, in my little hometown and... So I, I don't know whether it's once a year everyone has to renew their dog licence, but basically I would go in in the morning, there would be just a box of paper slip, mm-hmm. and one by one I'd look at them and I'd type in the details and you had to put in like your name and your address and um, your dog, uh, what breed it was, what age it was and, like, your details to renew your council registration. And I think it was that everyone in the same time frame has to renew their dog licence. I think maybe that's why they got me in, was to do the the dog data entry. Okay. But then one of the 
point of it was that if your dog was deceased, obviously <gasps> you don't want to pay the license, so you had to tick a box <sighs> saying that the dog was dead. And then I would um, put that in and then go on to the next piece of paper. Okay. So right. many dead dogs. So it's kind of like um, dead dog census. Yeah. All right, so, all right. Um, what do people write down if they don't know the breed of their dog? Oh, God, I have no idea. I think just like, what do you do when it's, I guess, like, it's probably the same as cats where you're just like short head. Oh, because I know really vague. when I've had to register my cat, I've put Moggy, but obviously that can't be applied in respect of dogs. Yeah, I guess mutt would <laughs> probably <laughs> be something that people would put. This is like country Queensland as Aww. well, so it's like, it could be anything. Mutt um, dog. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> what sort of qualifications might one need if they wish to become a dead dog person? Absolutely zero qualifications. <laughs> Truly just, I, I mean, you don't even, you barely, they told me they loved me there. Oh, they of were like they blown did. away by the job I was doing. And I was like, this is very basic data entry. It was, honest to God, I reckon the best job that I've ever had. It oh, like what? The dead dog job was the nine, best job you've ever had? Yeah, it was <gasps> It was amazing. I would give anything to have that job again now. Oh. It was like, it's a council job, so you paid great. You paid really well. It was like a later start, maybe like 9.30. Oh, good. oh uh, my finished God. Finished by 4. There was yes. a morning tea and a lunch break. Oh. So I would just go home. I would walk home at lunch and watch Oprah and then walk back in and just got paid an amazing amount of money to do this just mind-numbing, zero thought involved. I'd put my headphones in and listen to music and they were like, you are doing like such a great job. I was like, oh. I don't know how you could do a bad job. Of it. It's <laughs> so easy. You know, I had a call centre job that was a similar situation for me. Well paid. Yeah. Everybody likes to go to the pub after work. It was um, for a long time, five hours a day. It was the first time I made enough money to get drunk at the pub instead of getting drunk before I went to the pub. Yeah, big moment. Mm -mm. I feel like you may have touched on this a little bit, but what would you say was the best part of being the dead dog lady? Just the literal zero thought that I had to put into it. Mm. I'd worked like really hard before at all these other jobs. And then because it was like, I wanted a job that I could get some money and then I could move to Sydney and I could try and get into the music industry. That was the goal. Mm. So I was like, I don't want to start anything big or new. And then it was just like, it was just at the perfect time, the perfect job at the perfect time. And just so, I mean, it's a bit crazy now because I'm, become such a huge animal lover i'm more of an animal lover now than i was even back then even though i had mm. pets and i loved animals mm. now i've just gone like full crazy cat lady um i think there still was an element where it's like yeah it's just like people's pets and like was nice to renew the license be like oh yeah i know it's a small town as well so it's like i know this person oh yeah that's their dog that's nice oh. like just light and fluffy and so easy and paid well. Oh, my God, I miss it. Dreaming of those dead dog days. Um, I just don't even know how they would advertise it now. Like, I I want it back. 
I want it back and I want to do it just like one day a week if I could do it working from home. That would just be so good. I'm, but I don't even know if they... Surely it's all just online and it's just an easy system now. Um, were there any particular lessons that you learnt that are worth touching on, being the dead dog lady? Not lessons about the dead dogs, but more just like it was working in a council environment. I guess it kind of gave me the motivation to, because, I, you know, they said I was doing such an amazing job. I was like, okay, like, I don't know why, but I like to be as fast as possible and then when they told me that they kind of encouraged like my working spirit because I was only sort of freshly 17 maybe by then so Mm. um you know just one of those building blocks that set up the rest of my working rapport nice um do you list Mm. dead dog lady or similar on your resume I took it off I actually only had the same job for the last 10 years and so I haven't needed to touch it but then because of COVID I've started I've had to try and find some other work and I went back to my resume and I was like wow the last time I did it was uh like way back then I don't even think I've resume it was so meaningless <laughs> <laughs> but I've definitely said that I've got data entry scores whenever anyone mentions data entry the dead dogs is the first thing I think about oh. I think maybe it would be a bit too sad for me to do now with all the dead dogs i think i love animals too much now that maybe it would just be a bit depressing i often think that um a part of our working lives or part of our lives is to find the way that we can help that hurts the least and it sounds like maybe the dead dog job would hurt you a little bit too much at this point yeah yeah maybe now i need just alive dogs with new registrations only. <laughs> so um, did you make it in the music industry? I did. It worked out well. Dead dogs got me the cash I needed to live in a backpackers in Sydney and struggle and scrap, and I did it. That's um, time. That's really impressive, uh, moving forward in the face of such incredible uncertainty to make the dream happen. Uh Katie, are you actually Iggy Azalea? <laughs> Pretty much, you know. You look very similar. So. Oh, yeah, can attest. Have seen you in real life. Uh, dupe, yeah, like double. True. Yeah. Body double at least. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. I certainly wouldn't do it now. God, no. I really, I'm, I'm very impressed at what I did back then, but yeah. God, couldn't pay me to do it now. No do-over. No. You know, in the face of COVID, it's really um, turned around and bit me in the ass because if I worked in dead dog registration, um, dogs have got to die in a pandemic, whereas the music industry stops in a pandemic. So, well, I'm really sorry to I hear that. If I kept that job, it well, would have been fine. Well, I'm glad that we're going to be able to pay you so much for this interview. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You got my bank details, right? Right. Yeah, I'll just Venmo you some money. Great. Thank you. Well, that about wraps up everything that I've prepared for sure while I was at the pub before I came across to call you. (laughs) (laughs) That That pretty much is the extent of the job. 
that's as much information as I can give you about it, I think. So just a, perfect. Maybe to tie it back to the topic of the podcast in a more meaningful way, I wonder if I can ask mm-hmm. you what your favourite um, internet story of your or your favourite internet drama has been in the past and maybe we'll look at covering it. Internet drama? <laughs> I can't think of any anything full stop. You don't have a favourite, is <laughs> My it? brain has literally gone into shutdown with you asking me one question. No, that's all right. It's not – I mean, like, I'm chronically online, so I've got preloaded answers to a question like that. But I, I'm not going to hold it against you. I've started listening to that podcast, um, You're Wrong About. You're Wrong About. So that's about. kind of led me – do you know about the podcast? Have no, no, I, I, no, never. Oh, it's so good. It's just like things that we thought we knew about and then they do a deep dive of it. So they had like a four-part episode on Princess Die that I was listening oh to today. Oh, my God. And just like – yeah, just all these crazy things. I went. I was up till like three a.m. googling the Russian family because of the oh. whole Anastasia thing okay. and the, the missing Russian princess and yeah, all that kind of stuff. So I am really in the in the peak of like all these things that I thought I knew about and read about online that are completely different to what actually happened. Paradigm so that's shift. That's why I can't have any thoughts for myself. Surely, becoming an adult in reality is figuring out that you nothing know nothing about anything yeah yeah that's 100 percent it mm-hmm. yeah i like to just go into just have a full existential crisis rather than kind of like looking at small things i'm thinking the, the things that i'm thinking about are like what is the meaning of life what is the point of us all being here that kind of fun stuff yeah just something light you know yeah exactly <laughs> i'm either watching reality tv or thinking about the meaning of life Oh, this is – I feel like – I don't think that we can top this. I feel like we need to just, like, wrap this interview here on that note. And I want to thank you so much for talking to me about dead dogs. No problem at all. Again, thank you for having me and being able to talk about the best job I've ever had. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Um – and so now uh, perhaps we can pivot to spam poetry. Spam poetry. Awesome. Okay, you want to do yours first or me first? Uh, I went first last time. Your turn. <gasps> okay. All right. All right. What All gold right. did you All dig right. up from your spam folder this week? Oh, my gosh. Thank you for being with us. Your story starts here. We've been blown away. Can you feel this positive energy? Deep, deep pockets navigating an online world. A luxurious mouthfeel can be expected. We're frightening ourselves. We break down. Goodbye, nip slip. <laughs> A very special thank you must go to Virtual Property Breakfast. Thank you. And if you still have questions, bring them with you. Wow. (laughs) Snaps for poetry. (laughs) I felt some feelings. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Do you have a title for it? Would you like if you to have questions? One? You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Lay it on me. Am I ready? Are you ready? It's a question. I know exactly what is going to happen. Are you nervous? A hentai guy is now following you. <laughs> Pooh bum, do you have any plans for tonight? <laughs> Sounds crazy, right? It may sound too good to be true. Your thumb and index finger do this strange pinch, flexible and fixed. Welcome to just the privileged few. Our team was very excited to receive. Vice and violins, what would Liza do? I feel like you get very... <laughs> I feel like you get very different spam email to me. Yeah. I've also found I'm getting a lot of the exact same spam email over and over again. Um, I get, like, a lot of one particular shoe brand, <laughs> one particular skincare brand, mm. and one particular shapewear brand. This one, there was sex worker spammy like please i'm just looking for a for a man who put his dick in me kind of like <laughs> spam ones that are like very blunt and ones that please. have like a lot of strange innuendo um there's those but there was also ones about like hearing aids um, there was ones about like oh that your thumb and index finger flex that was about like pinching like to put the hearing aids in or something there was also there's also a lot of ones for like online casinos i don't know all right so that brings us to the end thanks for listening we'll be back in a fortnight with a new episode check out the instagram at online mole patrol or our website online mole for show notes and links you can also find me at hacklock on ig did you want to promote well, Anything? I just wanted to say that it, I think that it's important that, uh, gentle listener, that you remember that we love and accept you. Of course we do. <laughs> Even if you're soul bonded. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'll fucking hang some shit on you, but, like, we can still chill at the pub and stuff. So, if you liked what you just listened to, weird, but cool, <laughs> tell your mates. Neither of us have big online platforms, so we're going to need a bit of word of mouth to get the kind of listeners who'd be into this weird stuff. Uh, do a review on Apple Podcasting. Apparently, ratings and written reviews make a big difference to the algorithms, and we all know our ABCs always be charming the algorithm. Also, like, if you've got some shit from the internet that you want us to cover, like, hit us up. And also, like, actually, I haven't told Hacklock, well, I'm lying, but I've told Hacklock multiple times that I actually want to pivot this whole podcast into, like, an agony art thing. So, like, if you've got an issue that you want us to weigh in on because we have, like, horrible advice to give, just, like, send that shit in. Like, let me know about your drama. Do it. Okay, bye. Bye.